Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. In fact, one of the papers this morning, the Mirror, says that uh, last month, which would have been the month of September, was one of the warmest and the driest Septembers on record, going all the way back to when records began. Mirror this morning have an alarming story. They say that a quarter of nurses suffering from burnout plan to leave their job in the next 12 months. The other three quarter of burnt out nurses will continue to work and do their best, but a quarter of them will leave, a quarter of nurses leaving in the next month, 12 months, according to the INMO, which is the union that represents nurses. Where will they go? I mean, are they going to leave the profession? Are they going to nurse overseas? Are they going to look for new jobs? Uh, of course, we've got all sorts of ongoing issues with patients waiting for beds in A&Es. When you total up the entire country, 451 yesterday on trolleys and chairs and stuff like that around the country. So that's worrying then to hear that nurses are just saying we can take no more. The numbers needing surgery continue to surge, soaring by half a million. I don't know what the exact number is now, but it must be well over a million at this stage. If you're looking at people who are in need of appointments and surgeries and uh, the waiting lists actually have jumped and continue to jump. It's a story that makes this morning's mail on the front page with hospital waiting lists expected to rise by at least another 111,000, they're suggesting, on top of the other increases across the year, another 110 or 11,000 between now and Christmas time. That's all alarming as we head into the winter season. And more and more people now will be uh, getting booster jabs. You get a booster jab in one arm and they're going to give a flu jab in the other arm. So that's what they're rolling out now, trying to keep flu numbers down and people with, uh, you know, uh, any kind of illnesses potential illnesses out of our hospitals. That's a bizarre story from Barrick Street. It's own English story in the Examiner today. Construction workers were in at the site of the former Nancy Spain's pub on Barrick Street. Uh, and when they were working on the, on the building, um, particularly on the ground of it, beneath the surface, they came across human remains. Now, um, people were thinking at one, one stage, well, this is a Viking area. Could there be ancient Viking bones, a skeleton of a Viking? But apparently not. The bones are believed, though, to be at least 100 years old. Uh, so it's now classed as an archaeological find. I think they'll probably do carbon dating and things like that to try and get some more information or solve the mystery. Uh, but it was part of the demolition of the pub uh, close to the medieval heart of the city. So that's a story with photographs making the examiner today. Uh, down in beautiful Myrtleville, there's a lovely little shop called O'Connell's. It makes the front page of the um, the Echo today because um, a, a young fellow went in and into the shop, demanded cash from the staff, fled the scene empty-handed. Uh, but he was arrested by Gardaí and he's going to appear in court this morning. Um, it's a front page story and it goes to show how many people really um, are uh, out there just literally uh, robbing and heading into shops or, you know, stopping people on the street or, or what have you. This is down in a very beautiful and quiet and picturesque Myrtleville in the papers this morning. And then the food banks for the students continue to make the papers. In fact, McBarry is saying that it's a, a, an indication and it shines a light uh, on the, a strong light on the reality of student poverty these days, if students firstly are going to penny dinners to be fed, and then penny dinners actually set up almost a mini penny dinners, if you like, open UCC, um, giving food parcels and packages to students. In fact, they ran out um, on, on Wednesday. Such was the demand from students. Talking about demand, uh, the uh, Rape Crisis Network Ireland makes the papers today because they say uh, that the phone calls to rape crisis centres have grown by a massive 100% 
in the past 10 years. Um, it's a headline story that says the numbers seeking help now from rape crisis centres around the country uh, is at an all-time high and then some. And then, of course, <coughs> you have James O'Connor, the East Cork TD, who said that uh, he was misled um, by senior officials. He had been assured that there would be $54 million for the bypass project for the likes of Castle Martyr and Killa on the N25. Um, and then, of course, the rug was pulled from under him. So I think it's a good thing to see uh, one of our TDs flexing their muscles in the doll, saying, listen, I was promised it, I want it, or else. That's kind of the kind of thing that you want your local representatives to be doing, you know, fighting your corner. Uh, and doing what he was elected to do down in East Cork. So that's a good one. Uh, mind you, the Bank of Ireland are closing an awful lot of branches and that makes the examiner... To, the reason they're saying is that there's been a, a huge drop in the amount of people actually going into banks these days and a massive increase in online banking. But I think they've done some sort of a deal with the post offices where instead a Bank of Ireland customer who can't go into a bank can go in and do their business in the post office instead. instead. So they're figuring that's a way forward. But the problem, of course, with all of these closed bran- banks... You've got all these closed bank branches. You've got empty buildings. What happens with the empty buildings? And that's a question being asked in the examiner today. So we lost the 12.5% corporation tax, tax rate. And we're now no different to 139 other countries, all with the same tax rate, uh, corporate tax rate of 15% for businesses. That's going to come back and bite us in the behind, I think. And also, um, the uh, story that keeps on giving, or the man who keeps on giving, Ian Bailey. Will or, will he or won't he take a lie detector test? He says it's not his priority at the moment. And that's a story with regards to the lie detector test, because there is a company in Ireland that does polygraph testing. So all of the tabloids are talking about that today. Um, many people apparently feel as if they're in Groundhog Day. Two-thirds of adults, apparently, in the latest survey, have you, said that they're so much in Groundhog day these days that they don't actually know which day of the week it is. But I love this one where they talk about phrases from the different decades. You know, language is always changing. It's an, like and always evolving. So if you looked at the different decades, and this morning the sun tell us of the new words um, loads of them actually came around in each of the different decades, going back to the 1950s like for instance the word gobsmacked was heard for the first time. I just picked a few actually. From the 60s the word dishy to describe a very, very good looking Guy, I think. I think Dishy was, um, you know, for a good-looking guy. So that came about in the 60s. Probably groovy as well, maybe, in the 60s. In the 70s, Ditsy. Ditsy's kind of silly, isn't it? Uh, kind of a silly person is a Ditsy person. In the 80s, we got Search Engine. We also got Yuppie in the 1980s. Uh, we also got Fist Pump. First time Fist Pump was, was, was used was in the 1980s. In the 90s, we got the World Wide Web. We got Bootylicious. And Bridezillas. Uh, in the noughties, it was Google and FOMO, fear of missing out. And the tenties, the twenty tenties, we got words like mansplaining, manspreading, cancel culture, and ghosting. All these different phrases that came about in the different decades. And also, there's a lovely story in the papers today talking about uh, Adele. She looks absolutely stunning. She's on the front and inside pages in a photo shoot of Vogue UK and Vogue America. Seriously talented woman and seriously, seriously uh, good-looking girl. Absolutely amazing, the photo shoot. It makes all the red tops today. And then there was a letter, apparently, that was posted in Australia to Ackle Island. That was all very well. But it's a story in the Mirror today where the letter took... 28 years to arrive from Australia to Ackle Island. The Neil Prenderville Show. I can't laugh and I can't cough. The pain is unbearable. I damaged a rib last week, on a rib last week. 
Anyway, that's my problem. You've got your own fish to fry. Anyway, it's a free food Friday today. Uh, we have uh, another opportunity for you to win six large pizzas, garlic bread, potatoes, drinks, dips and desserts. It'll feed 15 of you. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 and we will send you pizza vouchers and you can go and pick them up then and get them all delivered for you. Hot and piping from Oak Fire Pizza, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street, Galabi Street and Douglas Village. So text now who you are and where you are, where you're working, who you're working with. Text 0868104106 and off you go. To the phone lines we go. Thanks, Kean, for waiting. Morning, Kean. How are you going, Neil? I'm good. I'm good. I'm very good. Um, listen, I, I'm keen to talk to you as, as a, a student in UCC, okay? Because uh, obviously we know of students going to uh, penny dinners and then we know the penny dinners set up food banks um, that, that ran out of food for students. How bad is it, Kean? How bad is it? Well, Neil, I suppose the thing is that the fact that there is a food bank there at all tells you how bad it is, really. Um, students are going without without the food bank, and I think it was under an hour over 100 students had gone and cleared the food bank out. Correct. Um, yeah. I think I think it's 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 quite galling. It's pretty stark, exactly. And it's not just food issues. You know, there's a housing crisis within, and then within that, a student housing crisis. And then on top of that, you know, there's Ireland now has the highest fees in Europe for students, so it's, it's not a very good place to go to college. Really. And I also heard during the week that it's uh, on average in Cork in and around six hundred euro a month for a bedroom share for a bedroom in a house. Is that right? That, that's exactly what I'm paying. Neil. So uh, that, 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 that's the, the only evidence I can give you. But I, I've, I haven't heard that I'm paying anything extortionate, and I'm paying about that for my room. Yeah, I heard it was about six hundred. So that has to be found first, doesn't it? Um, what what kind of money would a student on average have? Um, oh, to, you know, to spend on a week or a monthly basis. Well, look, I wouldn't be in a position. To, I, I haven't got facts and figures for me, but I mean, like I said to you, when you've got a housing crisis, a student housing crisis, and high speed in Europe, it's not much. Um, and I suppose again, the fact that there's a food bank being set up tells you there's not much there for students to spend whatsoever. You know, people are, are going without. Um, or else they're having to resort to going to... No, but I, I, know, I know, but say you have students that come into Cork from outside of Cork and they're not, mm-hmm. I'm not talking about the students who are living at home. They have to find mm-hmm. their own accommodation. They don't get any welfare payments or anything like Do they get any assistance or support? Well, there is grants available, but they're very competitive. You know, there's the Susie grant, which I think covers your fees and gives you a stipend. But I mean, I know plenty of people who... You would have hoped or expected to have been on that grant who didn't get it or got it one okay, year. Okay, so let's look at the ones who didn't get the grant. They have no assistance whatsoever except their parents are a part-time job, is it? That would be, I'd say that's accurate to say, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, because I know you responded also to Councillor Paddy Deneen who said a weekly shop in Aldi would feed you for a week at a cost of €40 Euro at the most. Councillor Paddy Deneen said, I must add, though, that most, if not all, the students gathered on Washington Street last week didn't look hungry to me. What do you make of that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's just, it's, it's, it's almost galling. Um, total lack of empathy from, from Paddy Deneen. I, I, I don't know Paddy personally like that, but I mean, for two things. One, the idea that every student has 40 euro going spare to spend on a weekly shop. Um, it's pretty almost laughable at this stage and I, I'm not sure what, I, what he expects when he says students don't look hungry to me does he want them out kind of you know uh, out building famine roads between lectures you know what, what, or what going around looking what, emaciated and underweight kind of thing exactly what, what actually what, what are you saying is what he wants from student no but what he is saying is he's referencing uh, the gatherings and I incidentally have no issue with them in case you mm-hmm. think I do the big amounts of kids or students, I should say, forgive me, gathering on Washington Street, particularly on Thursday nights, drinking. Yeah, well, Neil, I suppose that the thing I'd say is that that's a minority of students, and then you've got another minority of students 
who have to go to a food bank. And I don't understand why one minority, and I'm not saying you're saying this, but Paddy is clearly saying one is more indicative of the student experience than the other. I actually believe you you're right, to be honest with you. I think and that uh, there probably thing, are. I, I think there are parting students and there are hungry students, isn't it? Isn't the case? Well, I suppose, the, no, the point I'd make, Neil, is that there's nothing, there, there, there's no, the idea that people who are less off can't or shouldn't enjoy themselves on a Thursday night is ridiculous to me, to be honest. Um, the, the idea that people who, that, 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 that decision needs to be made or should be made, that's the issue for me, is that students shouldn't have to go without food to enjoy their Thursday night out. You know, the, the, this idea that there, there's no real regard for the stress of the student life here from, from Councillor Dean. People should be entitled to go out and have a good time on a Thursday night without having elected city councillors try and win a few votes off certain certain areas of the... I think what he's saying really was to the effect that they should prioritise their spending and put food before maybe alcohol or or whatever else they're partying with. And I think that that, that shows exactly how the lack of empathy from from Audi Domain towards the student experience is total disregard. You know, like we said there, there's a housing crisis, there's the highest fees in Europe, there's no regard there for the student experience. there's absolutely no... It's almost an attempt to undermine the food bank. There's, you see, Student Junior had to put out a call for public donations. Yeah, trying and, to go, and, a go fund me. and a GoFundMe. If Paddy Deneen had nothing nice to say about it, he didn't have to say anything at all, but he went out and said something quite nasty, in my opinion. And I think it, it, I, I, I think it in general, shows the attitude of the City Council. They're heading the sand uh, as to real issues in the city, whether it be, you know... Um, like the, they're, they're, the priorities are all out of whack. They're building luxury apartments and hotels across the city. And on the other hand, there's no money. I think I read last week, literally zero euro next year for public toilets in the city. Who's the city for, Neil? Is it for the people or is it for people coming into the city? And why are councillors so unempathetic? And why do they have so little regard for students within the city? They're their constituents too. I, I really don't understand this attitude that comes from, from some councillors. Uh, and it's not just from bodies, Neil. I don't want to personalise them because it's across the board, you know. Even a few weeks back, I remember reading that up by College Road, they were taking away public benches to combat antisocial behaviour. What what um, what authority does the city council have to almost punish local residents and take away benches out, out in a, an area? Well, it's interesting. It's interesting behavior. you mentioned College Road. Here's a here's a text from a resident there. Uh, I Neil, I think it's absolute rubbish that students are starving. They were screaming and roaring again last night. I see constant parcels being delivered all day by couriers to their houses. And also constant takeaway traffic. You know, takeaways coming, uh, deliveries and things. Realities and priorities should be taught to these students in UCC. Do you care to respond to that? Neil, I live on Washington Street across from the courthouse. I, I, I live in the epicentre of what Paddy Deneen is complaining about. I live in, like, I've lived on College Road. I, again, a small minority of students getting parcels delivered to them is somehow more indicative of the student experience than 100 students. I think it was, I think it was 48 minutes. Or around 50 minutes. How many do you think could actually have been fed um, if there had been enough, Kian? How many students do you think were looking for food Super parcels? I, I have very little idea, but I think, like I said, if you're, if you're looking at that food bank was meant to be open for a good chunk of the day and it was cleared out in under an hour and they're, they're, they're looking to keep it running, I, I wouldn't even want to comment. Okay. I, it would, it, 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 it's Multi- scary, perhaps you know? multiples of 100, maybe 200, 300, I don't, you don't Who know. Who knows? And I mean, the thing is as well, then you even have like Hall Martin and Leo Varadkar on campus last week and the student union sat out waiting for them to leave. I think there was a cabinet meeting in UCC. There was. And the student union sat outside waiting to speak to Martin and, and Leo. And they jumped into their cars and refused to speak to them. The student union were calling. They, 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 they were waiting, asking to speak to them about student housing crisis. And it's the same. It's not just party to me. It's not just the city council. So the student it's union requested requested uh, a meeting with them or at least a chat or a conversation in advance. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I'm not on the union myself. I've you should, incidentally, you should be. You should be keen if you're not. I don't mean to patronise you, but you should. Be. They, they were they were sat outside. The the now there was a heavy guard of presence, but there was a barrier up, and there was a large representation of students and student union 
sat there waiting for uh, for Michal Martin and Leo to come out. They came out, they shouted over, come please speak to the students, can we speak to you about student housing issues? And the two boys jumped into their cars. Uh, they should have walked over, they should have walked over. It shows the priorities, Neil, whether it be city council, whether it be TDs across the board, there's no regard. And it's not, it, there's people out there trying to make a difference, but I don't know, it, it's very hard, it's disheartening. Like I said, just total lack of empathy. And then, on, like I said, Paddy Neen didn't have to say anything about the student food banks, but not only to say nothing, but to go out and and try and villainize students when there are people going hungry. It, it just really puts... He's concerned that maybe a parting student on the college road or a parting student on the courthouse steps also got a food parcel. I mean, like... I maybe, think maybe a very, he, very strange thing for him to be concerned about, to be honest. I think he has bigger concerns, bigger fish to fry when it comes to the city. I think he should okay. be more concerned with things like the lack of um, provision of public funds to, to toilets and things like that, rather than a few students having a good time on a Thursday night. Okay, just, just I know you said you're paying 600. I won't keep you much now. You're saying paying 600 for a room. Others aren't. So they're couch surfing, or I heard during the week, sleeping in their cars. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, and it's not just in Cork, across the country. I mean, I, I heard stories from Limerick, Galway, even places like Carlow, where you'd have a smaller student population. People are having to stay in hotels. It's really, really, really frustrating. Um, and it's really Staying hard in hotels? Stay. I mean, who could afford yeah. that? Exactly, and people have to stay in hotels thinking, oh, this might be temporary. People, they can't afford it, that's the thing. They, they're just, they really can't. And that's the thing is that it's, it's really disheartening to see, not only is it, whether it be members of government parties at the local level, but independent and other councillors also jumping on this bandwagon of villainising students. And the reality of it is, Neil, is that it, all it is for is to win a few votes off certain sects of, of, the, of, the, of the constituents when, and then totally failing to represent others. Uh, okay. okay, listen, thank you for taking the call. Appreciate it. Uh, have a good weekend. Cheers, Kian. Student at UCC on 1850-104-106. You can get involved in the conversation. Text 0868-104-106. Lyle actually emailed. He said, how many students getting the food bank uh, are saving their cash instead for booze and stum- and in some instances drugs maybe that's um maybe that's the scenic the cynic i should say maybe maybe that's the cynic in me says he and then uh, i actually got a letter during the week then from uh, connacht avenue as another week of antisocial behavior comes to a conclusion uh, where to now for the local community many elderly and some with young families uh, the student population once again disgraced themselves on the main thoroughfare of connacht avenue um, at house parties with over a hundred in attendance at one house party last week. It then led on to the road where there was singing and roaring and abusing the handful of residents who spoke with some of the individuals. The Gardaí did eventually arrive as by all accounts the city was awash with noise um, etc. Uh, the landlord of this property um, does not care about the behaviour in his property. What laws are in place in this city to deal with students and antisocial behaviour? Where are our politicians in all this? It would appear the laws in this country do not apply to the student population, only the ordinary citizens. Finally, the five-star university, as it's often referred to, should hang its head in shame with what is being inflicted on the local residents, says Tom, long-term resident. Connacht Avenue. Uh, back after the break on 1850-104-106. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. We're on the hunt for Cork's best voicemail message, incidentally, or Cork's best ringtone. Uh, we want you to WhatsApp us the audio. WhatsApp the audio to 086-8104-106. I've been sent, very kindly, some 30 euro lunch vouchers from Naturally Nourished. If you fancy free lunch, uh, you might well win one of those uh, 30 euro vouchers. So, do that then best voicemail best ringtone send us the audio of it to 0868 104 106 they're already coming in incidentally and we want more of them like for instance this 
uh, is uh, Johnny, right? This is Johnny. This is his voicemail message doing his best impression of, uh, well, let's see if you can work out who the best impression is. Yaks Mash, my name is Borat. You reached the phone of John Connors. He is uh, indisposed. Leave messages. High five. <laughs> hey, Johnny. How you doing, pal? <laughs> That's Johnny. Uh, this is um, this is Louise. Um, Louise's husband John's ringtone. I assume she got permission. <laughs> I assume she got permission to send it to us. Right? Have a listen. The phone is ringing. Stop what you're doing. The phone is ringing. <laughs> Can you hear the phone ringing? <laughs> Stop what you're doing. Answer the phone. <laughs> no, come over and answer the phone. Can you hear me? Answer the phone. Oh. Immediately. Please don't make me laugh. It's just way too painful. I love that. I mean, maybe once or twice. Um, but you imagine if it was all of the time. Or if, imagine if you were in a serious meeting, you're sitting down with people in a very serious meeting, and you're, you're you have the posh voice on, and you're maybe meeting the bank manager, or you know, inside for a job, a job interview, and. The phone is ringing. <laughs> Stop what you're doing. The phone is ringing. <laughs> Anyway, keep them coming, keep them coming. WhatsApp the audio, WhatsApp the audio to uh, 0868104106. All right, we'll come back to that throughout the course of the morning. Get on board, guys. Lines are open at 1850104106. I have to say, it's not just students who are looking for uh, somewhere to live. God knows, many, many people have. That's one of the things that has never changed down through the decades. It's only got worse, particularly with regards to the amount of calls and stories that I've shared on air. People literally looking for a roof over their head. Um, and it's so bad now, um, you, you don't get responses to emails or phone calls, you don't get viewings, you just get completely ghosted. Um, Sarah, good morning. Hiya. Now, um, I, I, I know that you're struggling um, and you're on, you're on your own and you've got, is it a 16-month-old? Yeah, 16-month-old. And, and are you in a yeah. box room? Yeah, I'm living with my parents, with my two brothers in a box room at home with them. Okay, with so so all your little life and stuff, some bits and bobs and everything for you and, and your little daughter are all in the box room? Yeah, literally all that's in the box room is just my bed, her cot and a TV. And our clothes are kept upstairs in the attic in a storage unit. So they're all in storage boxes. You know, we have no space or anything. Sure, I know what box rooms are like. They're tiny. It'd be difficult yeah. to even get a little wardrobe into it, never mind to move yeah. around. I mean, what, like you must have a cot in there as well, do you? Yeah, I have a cot and soon enough she's going to be going into a toddler bed, so I'm going to have no room for that if she's in a cot now. And, and you've been trying, have you, to better your situation? Yeah, I've been trying. I've been on to the City Hall because I'm on the CVL every week and they told me basically that I'd be waiting eight to ten years for a council house. Then I've been on daft applying every day and basically I get as far as the virtual viewing and there's nothing after that. Explain what a virtual viewing is to people. Is that kind of the images of the different rooms, is it? Yeah, because of COVID, you know, you can't go into the house. So they just send you a video of the house and they send you a form that you have to fill out, you know, about where you're working, how many people it's for. And I send it all back to them and I get no further than that. I hear no more after that then from them. Why do you think that is? I honestly don't know because I am working. Well, I'm on maternity leave now at the moment, but I'm still employed full-time with my employer. And what kind of rent are they looking for these? Is it like a two-bed or is it a flat or is it a, you know, the private ones? I'd is it be, a house? I'd be mostly applying for a two-bedroom because that's all I'd be entitled to it with the council anyway. So it's about 1200 but I am entitled to HAP. But I never mentioned HAP in the, um, when I was applying for it. I don't mention HAP until, because I was advised not to. 
unless, until I get further and then mention the HAP. But I can't even get further without mentioning it either. I wonder why. I wonder who they're prioritising then. Uh, if you haven't mentioned HAP, then that wasn't an issue. You know, they would think that you're going to pay the 1200 so you tick that box. Is it because you have a child? Is it because you're on your own? I mean, you're working. Yeah, because even with the where you put in the application for on Daft, I always put in, do I, I tell them who I am and I tell them I'm living at home. Do you know, I need somewhere, I need space. And I explain my situation just like I am now to you and it still gets me nowhere. And I rang up the agencies and all trying to find out, you know, why aren't I getting further? And they basically told me that it's because there's over 100 people applying for each house. Yeah. That the agencies actually have nothing to do with it. It just gets forwarded onto the landlord and then the landlord picks from there then. Okay, so 100 per house they're saying on average. Yeah. Yeah. And how long are you in the box room? I'm in the box room since my small one was born. Well, I'm in there since I'm living my parents but two of us have been there the past six yeah, months well it's, together it's, you know at, at least you're at home with your parents thank God you're, yeah. not, you're not couch surfing couch surfing with a friend or anything so you, yeah. you, you, sh- you share the house then the kitchen and the sitting room and things like that yeah we do but it's hard because even now I'm meant to be going back to work in December I'm going to have to try and cut down my hours to part time because I can't even go back full time because I'd be working from home so I have to try and cut my hours down to part time while she's in crash you know, to try and, so there's more room in the house that I'd be able to actually take calls because I'm constantly on the phone where I work. So there has to be quiet, we have to be quiet in the house. So you'll be working on your phones with your headset with your small little baby next to you? Yeah, so I have to try and cut down my hours now because I have nowhere, because I can't get a babysitter and because that's paying someone to come into the house and that's an extra person then in the house. Because my dad can't, my dad was sometimes out of work because he's a long ter- long term illness. It would affect his mobility, so he's sometimes downstairs asleep. And my mum has a long term illness as well, so they can't actually look after her for me while I'm in work. And how long are you on the housing list? I'm only on it eight months. And is that the reason why they said you're only on it eight months? You'll be waiting ten years. Yeah, they told me it doesn't matter my situation. Basically, that I still there is a waiting list. I have to wait my time. It'd be eight to ten years, but five if I'm lucky. Which is it? Like they come up with five years, eight years, ten yeah. years. What's luck got to do know. with it? And I keep ringing up, and I just you can't even get through. When I ring up, I just get put to um, I think it's reception, the customer service, and they won't put me further, and they're never answering the phones then either. Suppose they don't feel like answering the phones because they have nothing to say and they have no yeah. um, they have no positive news to give anybody apart from yeah. eight to ten years on a waiting. You see, there's just they just don't have enough properties, you know. And like yeah. I, heard, I heard during the week that it's taken sixty five weeks, sixty five weeks to turn around a vacant city property. Sixty five yeah. weeks shouldn't even be sixty five days for God's sake. It's just frustrating now trying to get somewhere, especially that with Daft even, they're asking for previous landlord references. I don't have any because I lived with my parents all my life. There you so go. So how, they, it's yeah. like going for a job. You need previous uh, experience. Well, how can you have your first job? That's it's possibly exactly. why you're not being prioritised. They, they yeah. can't get a reference, you see. They want to know. They, they give it to someone who's got a great reference. Yeah. You know? I know that somebody texted here saying, somebody texted here saying, ring city council and ask how long the longest person is on a waiting list. They won't tell us that. Uh, But one person texting here says, I know a person who's 13 years on the list. 13 years. Yeah. Like I know someone now who was, I think she was waiting about 15 years for a house as well. 
and she only got one I say about three years ago Oh my god it's so long it must get you yeah. down though because this should be a happy exciting time for you Yeah it's just hard now being at home you know everyone's together and there's no space for anything and it's only bigger that my little girl's getting you know so how is she meant like even getting her you know the way I said there now she might be going into a cockpit how am I meant to fit that into a box room you know it's getting hard now with the more stuff that she needs and then trying to run up to the storage room in the attic, getting clothes, coming back down to her. You know, it, it is hard going. And have you said all of that to City Council and everything? Yeah, I've said everything to them. I, I'm ringing them nearly every Wednesday now with the CBL when it comes on, and I'm getting nowhere. Sometimes the number would be engaged, and then it's saying it's the incorrect number. So I have those five different numbers for them. I just keep ringing them, and I'm getting nowhere. I just got told I have to stay on the list. And what's your hap? I think I'm entitled to, I emailed him, I, no, I, sorry, I was actually on the phone to him three days ago, just wondering again what my hap was. They told me I have to go on the website to find out. And I was like, but you have my file in front of you. And they said, sent me on to Citizens Advice. And then they get, I, that said 950. So then they gave me an email address to email hap. And they told me it's 1,080. So I'm not even sure so how much be, happy because I'm not getting a definite answer. But it could it. be 1,080. Okay, okay. Yeah. A lot of texts wondering why are you carrying all of the load yourself? If you want to go back to work full time, surely dad, dad, you know, your the baby's father could help and, and share the workload. Is that anything you want to comment on? See, we're not together. So mm. he is working full time himself, you know, so okay. he does pay maintenance. Okay. And... He's living with his, he's living at his grandparents' house. Okay, I don't want I don't want too much information with regards to what he's doing, but he is he, yeah. So he's paying maintenance. But what about shared minding? No. See over him working full time and uh, me being on maternity leave is trying to work that out. You know, I know, I know. I it's know. just hard. Listen, you you'd never know you never know who might be listening. Um, and if I hear of anything, uh, I will certainly pass it on to you. I really will. Yeah, um, even if anyone knows, you know how like to advise me how I can even get past the virtual viewing. Do you know what I can put down on the application? Even putting it in for daft, if anyone at all can help. What's the best way to approach the application? What should you yeah. say? Yeah, I think you're doing everything right. You're being very honest about it. I, th- I mean, you left out Hap. Do you have you? You know, you're saying that you that you're on your own with your daughter, aren't? Didn't you? Yeah, I'm on my own. My daughter. Yeah. Yeah, you've. Um, I mean, you don't have the reference, so they're probably prioritizing somebody with a reference, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Which I you- don't understand it, but another one here. Uh, tell Sarah. Uh, I know it's not ideal, but if she puts her. If she puts herself down as homeless and goes to Edel House, she will be housed much sooner. It's not the best option, but you will get a house faster. Did you ever hear that? Yeah, I heard of that, but I don't want to put my 16-month-old through that, you know, going, you know, you don't want to have to. somewhere. Yeah. yeah, you know, when she doesn't need to be in there, you know, that kind of way. I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't want her to be in there. I know, I know. Okay, well, listen, you never know who might come back to me on this. And uh, if anybody has an advice to help you in your plight, I hope they'll get in touch. Okay. Yeah, perfect. All right. Thank you. Take care, Sarah. Stay in touch. Okay. Anybody help Sarah? Text 0868104106. Anybody with advice? The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Free Food Friday. It'll feed 15 of you all of the pizzas and sides courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. So text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. David, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good, Mama. You're a single dad? Single father for the last, Turk, uh, last what, 15 years. Okay. Child with special needs? Child with special needs. On the housing list, I just checked it there now when I heard that girl talking. I'm 13 years and three months on the housing list. 
and never offered anything. Ah, but you must have been offered something and refused it, surely. No, never. Never? Never. In 13 years? 13 years. I'm on, I'm on the, what they call the Ross. So basically, like, they're, um, a private landlord is, is housing me. And um, that's it. 13 years and three months. Okay, and when so I ring up, I'm told the same. Go on the website every Wednesday morning and bid on houses. And do you? I've been bidding for 13 years. Nothing. You've been bidding on Cork City Council houses? Yes. Okay, how does that work for people who don't know? Every Wednesday morning, they put up the new allocation of houses on the website. And basically, you go on the website, you view the houses. If you're interested, you bid on them. How do you bid? What Bidding usually involves money. What does that mean, bidding? There's a box that you, that you, you click on the box, and basically then the city council then it, it registers over there that you are interested in that house. And can you only bid on one a week? No, you can bid on... Like at, at the moment, oh, there's six this week. See, I was going to ask you that. How many on average go up every week? It could be anything between one and six, or maybe between one and eight. Oh, sure, for God's sake. And then, when you go into the history, you can see basically then, to say a particular house, there could be 500 people out there bidding on that house. Is it no wonder 499 one, one of them never... will get that house. Yeah. yeah. And the other 499 then are left waiting. And somebody in the housing department of the city council makes that choice, do they? Exactly. Gotcha, gotcha. I've had social workers and everything trying to fight my, my corner to no avail. But you are housed, but it's private accommodation, is it? Exactly. And yes. is it not suitable? Oh, no, it's quite suitable. Yeah, yeah. But you're paying for it through HAP? I am indeed. Yeah. See, I was one of the lucky ones. I actually rented this house a long time before my, my before my son was born. Right. Okay. And I was renting this privately, and I was I I I was paying cash for this house. Okay. Okay. And you're in the same house with years. Maybe I'm that's the, the re- maybe that's the reason they won't years. give. Maybe that's the reason they won't give you an offer because they see that you're already comfortable where you are. Perhaps. Do you think? Maybe. I wonder if anybody could beat thirteen years and three months on a housing list. What do you think? Somebody might ring you. But you're 13 years and three months and never once an offer. Exactly, yes. Okay, okay. And how are you managing as a single dad, child with special needs, full-time job, that one? Yes, listen, you get used to it. Yeah, Uh, yeah. it's a labour of love. You get used to it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're just going to keep on bidding then? Exactly. Okay, 13... And basically, some some of the properties would not be suitable for a child with special needs. So, like, I wouldn't be bidding on... To, just say, this week, now there's six properties on. I wouldn't be bidding on, 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 on those six properties. Is there any prioritisation for, say, somebody with a child with special needs ahead of others on the uh, list? It doesn't seem to register with Cox City Council. Okay, so there are no priorities. Like, like a single mother, would she be a priority over a couple or something like that? You don't know? Yes, I, I, I don't know. Okay. Okay, all right. Okay, 13 years and three months later, that would be a hard one to beat. It's not the kind of record you'd want to have, though, sure it's not? Listen, you know, all we can do, like, it's, it's just keep bidding every week. Okay, okay. Thanks, David. Good luck to you. Cheers for that. 13 years and three months bidding on the Cork City housing list.
Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. I hope they're going to have a nice busy weekend uh, down in West Corkway, down Clonakilty Way, particularly in Casey's Bar and Restaurant. Uh, I'm joined by James Casey, actually. James, good morning. Hi, Neil. How are you? Good, my man. Good. We came across a post that you put up there in the last couple of days regarding maybe somebody, it could be male, it could be female, who's on a date in your pub or your restaurant and it's not going well. Explain. So, um, I actually saw this idea done somewhere else years ago, but I can't exactly remember where. But we had an Yeah, instance. we used to be referred to going up to the bar asking for Angela. Do you recall that? Ask Angela. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Something similar to that now. Yeah. So, during the week, I was working myself and this couple came in. And, well, she came in first. She sat down. And then he followed. They, she said she was looking for menus, so we gave him the menus and so on. Then she, I knew by her, say, body language that she was not comfortable. How would you know, never, though? Just try and describe it as best you can. Her coat, she never took off her coat. She was kind of sitting with her legs faced towards the door. You know, she never sat into the table properly. Um, you know, she was kind of uncomfortable. Was know. she nervous? Or frightened or anxious or um, maybe just a bit nervous maybe okay okay but they ordered drinks that was all grand went up got their drinks when I was bringing him down to him then overheard uh, her saying to him you don't look like your photos on your profile right that you um, look a lot older so that's what kind of set the alarm bells ringing was there a noticeable age gap between the two of them James she was in her maybe late 20s where he was in his late 30s, early 40s. Okay. So did, you hear, did you hear his response to her saying you don't look like your photo? Um, I didn't really want to intervene too much okay. with okay. the conversation. Okay. But I'm not 100% sure what he did reply to that. Okay, what happened next? Um, they kind of, they never ordered food. We asked them were they ready to order and they said, oh, could we get another few minutes? We said, yeah, that's no problem at all. They order a drink? Uh, they had a drink, yeah, okay. and about halfway down their drink then, she got up to leave, and he followed on afterwards. So we just kind of um, discreetly followed him out the doors and made sure that she got home or she got to her car safely, you know? Yeah, and did she? She did, yeah. She got okay. into her car and she drove off. So um, we were happy then. That was kind of a, not the date that she wanted, but that she got out safe anyway. Okay, okay. Because you would have couples coming in all of the time. You have a bar, but you also have a fabulous restaurant. So people in West Cork would be using that to go on a date, clearly. So then you, you decided to uh, put up a sign, was it? Yeah. So we got our, so we got signs made up then. And we kind of put them up around the bar, especially the toilets. And behind the doors and stuff. So that they, they'd have time to read them and understand it. So, for example, if there is someone in a, a bad date or a date is going well or whatever. Well, here's what the sign says, right? Casey's with a big love heart. And it says, are you on a date that isn't going well? Is your date not what they said they were in their profile? Do you feel unsafe or even a bit weird? Is something is someone bothering you or making you feel uncomfortable? We're here to help. Um, pick up the story then as to how you help. So, for example, if they're in trouble, they just ask for a shot. So the shot then would be a code word, and then there'd be different things with the, um, 
code word so they shot you ask niece means that um you know you need help and then you ask for a shot with lime means that you're in big trouble that you need to ask for assistance with the guards or if you get a shot in um dressed that you know you want us to get you a taxi or you want us to get you a lift home what you're saying to them is ask go to the bar or ask your waiter or waitress for an angel shot um which would be, you know, a small shot glass of strong liquor. And then there are three different ways that you could have the angel shot, neat, dressed or with lime. If it's with lime, the guards are arriving then to your restaurant just because a guy's photograph doesn't look like him. Is that a bit OTT, I wonder, no? Well, the the first one would be neat. So they just want us to uh, walk into our car and make sure that they get to our car safely. And then the second one then would be dressed so dressed would be more or less asking us to get him a taxi so that they can get away. And then the third one would be um, with lime. So that means that things are really bad. That's, that's yeah. because he said or initiated something or threatened something or asked for something that she's really, really scared about. That's correct. No, right. That, that's what it is. He's done something at this stage that's put her safety um, at risk. That's exactly it. And all of this so, came from that. All of this came from you observing this this girl at the table. With, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, hopefully that we never have to use it, but to just something to you know to there just in case, a precaution. Yeah, yeah. And wonder does that happen a lot? Now I know it's slightly different. Do you know what catfishing is? Yes. Right, what's your understanding of catfishing? So I think this was a, a very good example of catfishing where um, he either used very old photographs of himself or else he used someone else's photographs pretending to be someone else that he wasn't. He would use a photograph that was perhaps 10, 15 or 20 years old or a particular photograph that caught him in a good light or something? Yes, correct. Or it someone else? Really Does that actually happen? They would use somebody else's photograph and then arrive themselves as a completely different person. I believe so. Crikey. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, these things are happening. Okay. And have you, have you put the sign up in, um, in the men's toilet? To just in the ladies okay. and just outside the male toilet still. Okay. Yeah. I mean, do you think this could happen to a guy? Oh, of course. There's nothing saying that it couldn't. Oh, okay. You can't say. You just don't know anymore. Yeah, you just don't know. Okay. But I suppose it is, unfortunately, it is mainly women and girls that, I suppose, would, would this would officially happen too, like. On, and usually on first dates. Yes, especially on first dates. I also hear that, so I, I won't keep you much long, but I also hear that no, um, no. people then, they might make, they might have, have a make-believe life, you know? They, they might create this life of theirs that might seem attractive to somebody just to get a date, you know, they maybe make up yeah. a job or they might make up the amount of money they earn or, you know, the, the places they go or the things they like, just to lure women or, or men, um, you know. Yeah, I've heard all these stories, especially on social media, you'd hear them and see them. But um, personally myself, I don't know of any, but I do believe that it is happening out there, unfortunately. Good man. Well, you're making, you're taking the precautions and you're coming up with ways to help. And this is... Um, Ask your server or the waitress or the barman or woman for an angel shot. Um, Good for you. Well done, James. How's business? Uh, Bouncing back, I hope. 
it's not too bad. Yeah. We can't complain at all. All right, my man, don't complain so then. It's things are going well. Nice one. Have a great weekend. Thanks, James. Cheers. You're a gentleman. Thanks, Neil. All the best. That's James Casey at Casey's of Clonakilty. Love to get your thoughts on that. Are indeed stories, um, perhaps first dates, like that went wrong. I mean, you know, scarily wrong, where you really did feel unsafe. Text 0868104106. Email neil at redfm.ie. Hey, it's Dave. Join me weekdays from four for Dave Max Drive, where I'll help get you home or give you a little lift at home. Big hits, loads of fun features, and traffic info. What more could you need? Join me weekdays from four. Dave Max Drive. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. Free food Friday, lads. Very exciting on Fridays when 15 of you will be fed with six large pizzas, garlic bread, potatoes, dim- uh, drinks, dips, desserts, the whole lot. They do a fabulous cheesecake amongst other desserts. So that's courtesy of ourselves an Oak Fire Pizza. So we got a lot on board this morning. Everybody's listening at Horgan's Garage in Kerry Pike, the Carrick Tool Pharmacy, the Riverview Vets in Ballincollig, Joe's Edge Hair Salon in Blarney, Morning to everybody at Healy's Bread Distribution in Mayfield, particularly Claudia. They'd love some pizza. Con Shop and Gronabraher, happily serving people for 48 years. Good morning to you all, in particular to the great Con himself. Chelsea Sewell in uh, Mayfield, or Sewell, I'm hoping I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, I'd like to nominate Margaret and all of her friends. Uh, Harper's Hair Design in Mayfield, uh, the Puffin Ward in CUH, uh, Magic Vacations in Kinsale. Good morning to Lorraine. Travel trade is going through a tough time at the moment, so they'd love a treat. Paul at Treadwell Tires. To everybody at Gate Childcare in Little Island for all the lovely ladies in the preschool and the Montessori room. Um, Pauline and all of the gang. Pauline and Laura in the dispatch at Roadstone and Balancholic. To Sinead, who's working from home for Amazon with a full house. And Graham and everybody up in Aval, Apple, Cinderella's Closet. To Paul and all everybody working in the stores at Capwell Bus Station. Just another few. Mulcahy Steel, Acorn Blinds, the Accounts Department at Kiri's, TK Maxx in Douglas, Bandon Golf Club, everybody at Mayfield Sports Complex, and the gang at Glenline Fitted Furniture. So shout outs for all of you guys and gals. So text who you are and where you are to 086 106 We'll do some more shout outs in about half an hour's time. To the phone lines we go. Luke, good morning. How's it going? I'm good, friend. I'm good. Now, uh, 13 and a half years is the longest I've come across in a while, if ever, of somebody on a housing list. And then we heard of Sarah's situation with her 16-month-old baby. Uh, what have you got for me? Uh, to be honest with you, Neil, I, what prompted my message there was just listening to Sarah. Like, I just thought it was a bit ridiculous, you know, her, not her situation, but to air it. Like, I just, you know, I'm in a position there where I have two small kids. I'm working over 40 hours a week. I'm renting privately, you know, breaking my back for the last four or five years. And my missus is on the housing list for the last four or five years. And and I'm just getting on with it. I'm happy to have a roof over my head. Do you know what I mean? What annoyed me, to be honest, the most was when she said she's only on the housing list eight months, but Mm. her child is 16 months old. So she only went about it eight months ago. Do you know what I mean? It just got under my skin, I'll be honest with you, because I'm I'm just coming from a place where I'm I'm grinding the last four or five years years like to, 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 to get where I am and I know you've got no phone call for a, for a council house like do you know what I mean yeah yeah well I know everybody's everybody's story is in the individual to them you know she's she's a young girl maybe she might you know mightn't have the same life skills as yourself you know she's starting out in life she's very young she has a baby she's on her own she's in a box room um it's it's not ideal it's not ideal Neil if I had a house for spare, I'd love to give it to her. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm just saying... You say it's a disgrace airing her story. 
I think so, because there's a thousand other young ones in the same position. Do you know that kind of a way? So, like, what if someone is to help her now off the back of that? She just skips the queue for someone that might have two small kids and was on the housing list for the last five years and might be in a worse position accommodation-wise. Living with your parents is not the end of the world at all. Stuck for a bit of space. You can get over that, Neil, in all fairness. There's people living in one-bedroom studios that, that can't swing the door to the toilet open fully that get on with it. Do, do you know that, uh, and, uh, but I would, encur- I would encourage, and I'm open to hearing their stories as well, Luke. Oh, yeah, I totally understand, but like this, that's not. I'm not. I'm not coming on here to to tear her story down or nothing like that. I'm just saying I'm coming for a place. I, we got a phone call in January, Neil. We've been renting privately since we had our first child, right? He's yeah. he's, he's three and a half now. We had a child in in March as well. She's nearly seven months old, right? I'm just coming from a place where I got a phone call in January. I was renting privately. A three months notice to leave the house, right? No, I could have turned around and I could have played. I think I think we were in call. I think we were in level five when we got the notice. So I could have turned around and I could have played hardball if I wanted that, but I didn't. What I done was I got on. I got on the internet. I got on the blower and I worked very very hard for two months and I found something else. I know I'm renting privately somewhere else. Okay, they're out there. It could, they can be fine. My problem she is can. I could have picked up the phone to you in January, Neil, and I could have played the victim. And you know you probably you might have helped me. You're very good at things like that. She's, she's, that she's been trying. She's been trying in the pro- on the private market. She has HAP, but she can't get a viewing. She can't even get a response to an email or a phone call. You know what I mean? I know. I, I understand that. I understand that. But my, my problem here is, you know, she'll be skipping people here now if, if someone goes out of their way to help. I'm not saying don't help her. Like, I'm not, I'm not, you know. You kind, not, you kind of are, though, aren't you? You kind of are, saying it's ridiculous no, I'm not, that I'm not, you would I'm put not, her on, just, you say it's ridiculous you would put her on the air when there are hundreds and thousands in exactly the same position as her. Exactly. That, that, that what I'm, saying. I'm, not, I'm not saying don't help the girl. No, I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying someone comes along now and they bump her up. You're passing other people out. That's what I'm saying. Okay. That's all I'm saying. Okay. People okay. that might have been grinding and breaking their backs for the last couple of years to get where they are. And, that, and that's and how you would describe yourself. Um, you, you, you say you're working 40 hours a week, two small kids. You're doing it for yourself. 100%. Yeah. Hundred percent, you know, and and if it came to it, if it came down, but how's she going to do that? And how's she going to do that? And who's going to mind the child? Well, to be fair, like I work, my missus works part time. Um, we get help from my parents, from her parents. But there's, but there's two of you in the there's two of you in the relationship. There's one of her. Yeah, there is, there is. But like, if she was on her own. My parents would still help her. Her own okay. parents would still help her. Okay. Is, that girl is under the same roof as her parents. I'm not saying it's not her parents' obligation. Out, no, you know what I mean. But I'm yeah, saying no, I mean there, there is somebody has to be a little bit of help. There's there a text saying, "I don't, I don't know why you're not listening, Neil. Luke has a point. Why should she trump him and others?" So somebody agrees that, with you. That's all I'm saying, Neil. I'm, I, Neil, I would stop and pick a dog up in the rain and bring him home. That's not the type of person I am at all. I'm not coming on here to say. To, 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 to throw tar on her story at all at all yeah. I'm just telling you where I'm coming from just a different perspective you know I just you know if someone was to come along now and give her a council house do you think that would be fair on someone like me I don't think it would be and I'm not asking for a council well house. I imagine you make a very valid anything. point people would be livid I suppose yeah yeah. that's all I'm saying ok that's my man let's get some know? more opinions and thoughts on that have a good weekend Luke thanks for taking the call cheers you too. All the best. text 0868104106 pick up the phone on 1850104106 to line 2 we go uh, Romez good morning good morning Neil. and thank you for the photographs um, when were they taken in the A&E when was this it's 5 well this is just this morning 
This morning. Uh, but, okay. Yeah, but okay. uh, since five o'clock yesterday, we sitting here. I know there was a lady sitting here since three o'clock in the afternoon. She was speaking to me about it, and you know she was waiting. She was seeing six o'clock this morning, but I brought my daughter. She was had a kidney infection. Uh, you know, you, you see very fast in triage, but then you put those chairs, and it was shocking uh, just to see how many people were there. There was a girl all night just uh, feeling real, really real, really sick, and they just gave her a blanket and they let you know waiting to be seen and. And elderly people, like, it's no, no, it's no trolleys for those people. Like, you know, never mind the trolley. So problem. what is available to them? Is it chairs? I have seen photographs of little, uh, are they perspex cubicles? Yeah, perspex cubicles. It's a, it's a glass perspex cubicles and a hard chair. And that's it. You know, at the numbers, you know, before would be, uh, you know, you see trolleys around the corridor. You say, like yeah, that. I see them. I, I really do. It, it looks yeah, like... No, no, I don't see them. Now, like, people just sit It looks there. like some sort of an emergency shelter. You, that's how sick people have to wait in the A&D, you're saying. People sleeping on... Sorry, it's gone. People sleeping on benches all night, throwing up, feeling extremely ill, and basically nothing much was done, just a blanket and a pillow. This is shocking. So how long have you been there? Uh, for 13 hours. And they, you're saying there was a woman longer than you? Yes, a woman longer, yeah. you still there? I'm still here, yeah. Has your daughter been treated? Uh, she just be given, um, you know, a, a dripping and waiting to be seen by the doctor. You know, it's a painkiller and that's it, you know. So, uh, painkillers. And did either of you sleep through the night on, a, is it a bench, yeah. is it a chair, what is yeah, it? Yeah, the bench, yeah, yeah. That's all you have. Well, you couldn't really sleep, but, you know, it's just, sit in a chair and which, you know, can get quite cold as well. Uh, but, you know, it, that's it. And what do you do and for, what do you do for a bit of food or a hot drink or anything like that? No, there's, there's a, well, I we have to wait for the cough dock to open so you can have a, a nice cough. They offer a tea, you know, about eight o'clock in the morning. Are there elderly, are there elderly people as well who've been there oh, overnight? Yeah, yes, elderly, elderly people, who, uh, you know, People in wheelchairs, and you can see all the kinds. Of, there were there were the people that before you could see in trolleys. You know? Now there are no trolleys. Now it's just. Are there any trolleys in there? There is it all chairs? No, I, I, I couldn't see any trolleys, just chairs. If there was, I, I, it's it's hidden somewhere because I couldn't see it. Unreal. What age is your daughter? Do you mind me asking? She's she's fifteen. Okay. Okay. You know she's fit. First time she's been to doctor, but it's just the case that you see really. Weak people, uh, you know, elderly people, women uh, that should be actually lay down, sleeping, have a comfort when they're really sick. Yes, elderly and sick, and and uh, probably and probably alone as well. Alone, exactly. And then sitting those hard chairs is it's like my God. Yeah, you couldn't believe what you were witnessing. No, no, I couldn't. I couldn't believe at all. Okay, okay. I wonder how long. I wonder how long more you'll be there, Romez. I'd say for a while it's quite busy to be honest, you know, and fair play to the nurses and uh, all of the staff here, they're very good. And the girl, the lady that was there since three o'clock yesterday afternoon, has she gone now? She's gone, yeah, she's okay. gone. And did she get treatment? Is she, is she okay? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know, has she just gone to, to talk her away, but uh, I'm not sure. Okay, listen, thanks for sharing the photographs, I hope to God it ends very soon for you, it's been a tough night. No 
Tough night, all right. Yeah. Take care. Thank you for the highlight. Thank you, Romez. Actually, thank you for calling because you prompted me in doing something that I had intended doing, and that was chatting with Kira Evans, who actually had a spell in A and E herself. Morning, Morning. Of, a, week, a week ago, ten days ago. Uh, yeah, about two weeks ago. This day, two weeks ago, at about ten to six in the afternoon, I went into. I, d- I don't mean to be nosy, but can you say what? Tell us why. You yeah, were, yeah, I can. So I was on kind of t- ten day ten or eleven uh, of battling COVID, and I rang my. GP and I said, "Well, I'm not really getting any better here. Like, you know, shouldn't shouldn't I be okay? I was fully vaccinated and just kind of having slight palpitations and just kind of a lot of sinus pain and pain down my jaw and constant headaches and what sleeping. all of that being double jabbed and still getting COVID. Yeah, you got hammered. Did you lose taste, smell? Lost taste, headache? lost smell, headaches constantly, not sleeping. Like the COVID insomnia is something I'm being kind of hearing a lot. There about. is such a thing, and it's still lingering for me. I came back to work on Monday, but I was three weeks out with it." you know and it's wow. still not back to 100% I mean it was bad you got a bad bashing it was a bit of a knockout because I would have thought I would have been one of those people if I got COVID I'd be okay I'd be grand yeah, I, I'd fit. battle through it wouldn't have young any young fit in the gym exercising yeah. well watching your diet all that kind of stuff all those kind of things so it got so bad that your GP said go to A&E is it? yeah well she said I'm not kind of happy with how you sound because I was just ringing her going shouldn't, shouldn't I be improving at this stage I just was anxious to get back to, to normal life and get energy levels back up again so she said come on in let's let's take a check on what's happening she did an ECG uh, my heart rate was particularly low which she was concerned about so flu around the heart is something that people suffering from COVID can experience which is something that is treatable so she said I have to, to send you to the hospital she rang the, the cardiologist they said yeah she's going to need to come in you know she told me it was looking at it probably a couple of stays overnight or whatever now thankfully it didn't come to that but I did have to go to any, and it's something you have to go to on your own and you know when you're travelling in on the car I'm not normally an anxious person I'm not a person who's afraid I've done a lot of things on my own and just get on with it but you've heard so many stories about COVID that you're afraid kind of going in there you're ushered through into these glass pods then in A&E and C-U-H so I you're am, afraid because you don't know how bad this is going to get yeah because I'm like lungs, I? heart uh, you know yeah, you hear that fluid around your heart. That does kind of put ICU the fear kind of into stuff. you. Yeah, yeah. so okay. you're thinking, here I am on my own and now I'm sitting in a glass pod. I had to have put in the pods because they can't have people. Is it only pods now? Uh, it is. Now, there, there is a, an area that is benches. Uh, uh, you know, you've seen some, some pictures of that. That's kind of when it gets to, to overflow point. Uh, when I was there, I went in at 10 to 6 in the evening. I didn't leave until 20 past 1 the following uh, afternoon on the Saturday afternoon. From 6 o'clock tea time to to one o'clock lunchtime. Yeah. Uh, so sitting on in a, on a chair. On an armchair. Yeah. Through the night. What's that like? Through the night. It, it's it's horrible. Uh, I mean, it kind of there were two uh, hospital assistants who were monitoring all of these patients, kind of going around. Uh, eventually, I got a blanket. Um, I, I didn't get a pillow at, at any stage. I got uh, three cups of tea in in that in that whole time and two slices of toast. Uh, it was a long time, but do you know what? Like. It was the people around me I found difficult to watch some of that as well because, you know, I had my phone, I had my headphones in and I had brought an overnight bag with me but there there were much, much older people. There were sicker people. There there was one gentleman with a drip. He'd obviously been there for an awful long time. He looked in excruciating pain. There was a woman crying out who had fallen with a pain in her hip, brought in by ambulance. Um, and she was crying in the chair with yeah, pain. Yeah, she was. She was Every time she'd try to move or something. Every time she would try to move. Elderly woman. Uh, yeah, she was in her 70s um, and, and she was on her own. 
But she would have been. Surely she'd have been triaged or seen by a nurse or given. Yeah, pain everybody medicine. was was yeah, triaged. Assessed, yeah. yeah, but then then you're you're put in the queue like everybody else, um, and people are waiting for X-rays. Did it strike you that there was enough nursing staff or doctors around? Uh, there were certainly uh, maybe enough staff, but not enough doctors. Um, what I was told on the night was that there was one doctor to forty-seven patients. So uh, at, at that point, I thought I'm not going home anytime soon. Because one doctor for forty-seven. Yeah. Why? They they do their their basic assessments on you when you're triaged when you go in and and then you're put on that that pile in the is queue. Is there just not enough doctors? There is not enough doctors, and particularly I suppose on a Friday night of a weekend, you're not going to get them. Why? I don't know. I don't have the answers to that. But that's a kind of a, an ongoing situation, I suppose. And why you see these numbers? You heard this morning that um, a quarter of nurses are saying they're quitting nursing because of burnout this year. Uh, yeah, as in the last 18 months, that's incredible. I mean, you can understand it, the pressure that they're under and the conditions that they're working in. It's very challenging. So when did you get seen and what was that like? Um, One I, o'clock lunchtime you got out, but something happened before that, surely. I, they came back around to me when the shift changed, maybe after eight o'clock and did kind of, you know, looked at my, my blood pressure and my temperature and things like that to see how I was doing and I kind of, you're just asking at that point have you, have you any idea when somebody might give me some indication as to what's going on here and I was growing quite frustrated and you're upset then because you're exhausted um, and then I didn't want to be making too much of a fuss because I knew there were people who were sicker than me, who were older than me. I could manage, I could communicate with people. Like When you're hearing phone calls through the night of somebody maybe who's in their 70s going you know, maybe don't ring my daughter at this hour. She's had a long week. She has children. And, and they're there on their own at three o'clock in the morning calling a taxi to get home and, God, and trying to no take mind. on board this information from the doctor as well. Did anybody get frustrated or angry? No, there didn't seem to be okay. anybody do that. In okay. fairness, so did yeah. you then have, a, did, did you have a scan or an x-ray or was your heart checked or your lungs? Yeah, the doctor who eventually came to me said, look, I'm happy enough. We, we did an ECG in here too. It looks okay. You're, you're actually very, very fit, obviously, and you have a low heart rate anyway, uh, which is to be expected. She's like, if the palpitations continue, you know, come back or go back to your So you baby. got the right treatment? I got least. I got the right treatment. They said, like you know, you can just go home and you need to monitor this. But we don't think that uh, if we do an X ray, it's going to show up anything more. I don't. They weren't too concerned in the end about fluid around the heart, but like the exhaustion of eighteen hours sleeping on a chair. You just wanted out. Was traumatic. Yeah, you you don't even have the energy at that stage. So to you have questions. to experience it, really, don't you, to uh, to realize how bad it actually is. You do. I mean, I, I never. Th- I've been in A and E before. I've definitely never spent eighteen hours in there in a glass pod, and like it's it's even. Hard hard to find somebody to ask a question to. Uh, I mean, I have the confidence to do that, but if you're older and you can't move off a chair because you're after maybe potentially breaking your hip, there's not even anybody oh, to call. There's to no buzzers, like. there's nothing. Like, and I felt like I should start going around to people, but sure, I wasn't supposed to move around. I no, had COVID, no. you know, so I couldn't. Yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. it is difficult and it's it's a horrible, horrible place to be and it's yeah. very lonely, particularly if you're scared or if you're in pain, you know. It's harrowing. I feel for the elderly people in pain like that, like that somebody with a son or a daughter or a rare family and they're in there on their own on a bench or a chair with a broken hip. Um, that, it's that's scary. Heartbreaking. Nobody deserves to be treated like that. Anytime I've been in A&E before, I've, I've had, you know, you could have had somebody with you, um, but you're going through all of this alone. So how can we find 165 billion to uh, put in rail networks and put in new roads? And, and we, we can't even look after people in chairs. Yeah. There's something radically wrong with that, isn't there? Massively wrong. Where are our priorities? Thanks, Kira. Thanks for sharing that. Appreciate it. Have a good weekend. That's Kira Revens on her recent visit 
to uh, A&D. Back after the break, text 0868104106. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And text 0868104106 with regards to our free Food Friday. We'll do some more shout-outs in 10 or 15 minutes' time. And also, don't forget, keep on sending us your voice notes and indeed your ringtones. WhatsApp the audio to 0868104106. We've got some nice, nice prizes and I'll play some more of them between now and uh, quitting time. So far for me anyway, so far for me um, where's it gone? I think this is just very funny. This is um, uh, the vo- Johnny's voicemail message, right? Yeah, so much. You might no, hang on a sec. That, no, not that one. This one, this is Louise's husband, John's one. Hang on. The phone is ringing. Stop what you're doing. The phone is ringing. <laughs> Can you hear the phone ringing? And it goes on. And on and on. I have a pal actually, and he's very. You know how you can give dedicated uh, ringtones or, or or alerts to particular people in your life. And I have a pal actually who has one for his wife. So if his wife rings his fo- his mobile phone, it says warning, warning, the wife, the wife, warning, warning, <laughs> the wife, the wife. I think there also might be some sort of a, an alert noise, you know. There might be an alert noise in the background, um, like an alarm going off or something. Anyway, keep those coming. Uh, we'll come back to it throughout the course of the morning. Uh, I want to get some texts on the air, but also one or two calls. So my apologies. I don't want to keep Tony too long because he's an observant guy. Tony, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Good. What have you seen? I, I just know what there recently when they were doing the uh, N40 or, you know, up on into the tunnel. They put up an extra gantry there, you know. No, it's not a gantry to notify of traffic hazards ahead or speed limits. It's just a gantry with what I would consider a, a notice board and two um, scanning sensors for all the world. So it looks dangerously like the M50 toll scanner. Exactly the same as it. Do you think they're so, going to toll the Jack Lynch tunnel? Oh, I'd say they'll sneak it in when they're finished. To, to cover the cost of it, and that'll be the excuse we get. You we think need to pay for this. This could be one of the ways that they'd make some money. Is that back, uh, perhaps, uh, from COVID or what have you? Uh, well, I wouldn't say anything to COVID, but I would say just kind of more money for the, I know it's the city council or the county council, regard for that down there. But um, I would be 90% certain that's what they're up to. And how because much would they, let's say if they did, how much do you think, how much would well, people pay? Say, would people use it? I would say it'd probably create more traffic going through the city again, you know. Like the um, the M50 is what? €3.20, isn't it? I don't know. I know the one going to, from Waterford to Dublin is one ninety. Yeah, no, it's the, yeah. I use that one quite a lot. Oh yeah, for a tunnel, you're right, it'd be different to the M50, Mm -hmm. of course it would. A tunnel would probably be Maybe a euro, two euro max? Two, yeah, 192 euro. But the fact that when it's finished, it'll be seamless traffic. So therefore, there won't be any build-up going into the tunnel, if you know what I mean. So that equipment will be easily at the scan number place because it'll be barrierless tolling, I reckon. Oh, my God. Tolling. Uh, and it looks it looks suspiciously like some kind of yeah. uh, well, car engine. Yeah, it can't be a notice one because that one of those up already. Do you know the ones that give you the warnings or delays at the interchange or whatever the case may I be? I wonder if anybody's listening now might be in the know. I wonder. It's Neil. i telling you now, it looks so suspicious, like, you know? Yeah. It really does now. Like, it's before the one. But, like, why do they need two entries there? One is for the traffic. Well, let's find, let's, find, let's find out what's it for and what's the plan. What purpose yeah. is it? Sorry. I would think, I would think, like, when they do finish the... Um, redevelopment of the Dunkettle interchange that um, 
the excuse well, they did try it before they remember that there was a big hullabaloo about it many years ago did they though was that, that yeah. was that real was, was that a suggestion at one stage yeah I, th- I think it was maybe we were just flying a kite I don't know but this is like very very suspicious and it's okay. not a traffic counter okay. you know what I mean let, there's, let, three, there's three screens there like let's see if anybody has any info and we can put in calls as well just to find out that's assuming yeah. they'll tell us but thanks for that Tony appreciate it anybody All got any right, thoughts please. on that are they going to toll and are they putting in the equipment and the gantry the overhead gantry the big bars to put in cameras and uh, car reg identification uh, Finbar good morning hello you hear me alright Yes, yes. Okay, okay. We're, we're talking about housing this morning and housing lists. I was chatting with the lad yeah. there who's 13 and a half years on the housing list. Go ahead. All right, I just can't. How was it? Why don't they get on to the shop company there? That's good. That went the way over to Afghanistan with the plane, the company plane, to bring back people from Afghanistan to house them back in Ireland. Yeah. They have no, no, no idea, nothing at all, no list at all, and bring them in. Give them everything health, give them their free passes, give them everything. I never paid a penny to the country. You have a problem in with... Co- great, in lad, indeed. Are you, you have a problem with people coming into Ireland, is it? No, it's not a problem. I'm saying it's people just coming in and getting everything for nothing. Um, yeah, that, that does happen in the case of war sometimes, where we take... Uh, uh, war, 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 is, war is nothing. He's only going out there to be spy in the class. Take a sweet order of jail for himself. He wants to be everyone's buddy. To be seen to be doing the right thing. So yes, do you, yes, but not he won't do this. He won't do the right thing for his own people. And what does that mean, that there are so many Irish people looking for houses, only the Irish should get the houses, is it? Well, they should get priority, first priority. It's our own country, they should get the priority first. Over everybody else, is it? Or everybody else, everybody else. Because they're coming in, they're not saying, I'm here 10 years. Every one of them are 10 years. The way they'll be employed, they'll be in front of everyone. 10 years gives them an option in front of people. Yeah, but you have to be able to prove that. You just can't make up a number on a housing uh, list. I should know. They're coming in here at 16 and 17 and putting down their name. And they'll come back over the country again. Come back over to their own country, so they come back years afterwards. Then, and here we are. You'd say, "Oh Jesus, how could he be a ten years?" Uh, how do you know yes, that? How do you know that to I be true? See it happening inside the city hall with the young player with his father, two of them from Brazil, and I had they had their little folders. I see him doing up at his desk. And you believe that somebody who comes over here from Brazil gets a job, incidentally, and is probably working here, isn't entitled to a house ahead of an Irish person. No, Irish, we're Irish. Irish, remember that, Irish. And who's going to do all of the work that needs doing in the country if we don't bring people in? Well, there'll be jobs just for the Irish. They've got the right rates, but these people are working under the radar and working under the rates. And then when they get in, straight to the union, we want our right rates now. They get their foot in. And you know all of that to be a fact? Of course, the fact. All right. in front. You see, you see, take off. Take off the blink out now. Take them off. Boy. You no, want I, I just, I just want to be. I just want to be fair to everybody because everyone. Uh, has... you're not. Now, where you say where you're from? Now, south side and north side. Bit of both, actually. To be honest with you. Uh, well, you're, you're not that stupid. You surely got to just speak wise. Now, you don't be acting. They'll be acting to you, me, no time. 
You know what's going on, all right? I'm not, but I mean, the Irish you went on. You want to float your boy, you're on board, you want to play, you want to battle both sides. No, I don't. I, I just know that a lot of Irish people, me included, went overseas for work and, uh, you know, starting new lives. And, you know, and and we were accepted. Why shouldn't we accept others coming in here? I should accept it. Those people went over to Christ in London years ago and they were on the streets. Yeah, not all of them. Not oh, all of them. yes, they were. Yes, they were. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I'm cutting myself. Uh, at so many Irish, it's only the Irish should be housed. Okay. All and right. uh, call Mr. Coveney. Tell him to take his feet out of the jail. He's the best boy in the class. All right. Appreciate it, Finbar. Tell him, tell him, Mr. Tell him your one is all right. That one could go on. Okay. She's got no job back in America. Well, she doesn't need our help anymore. She Catherine doesn't need our help. But she has the pension, though. She's taking the pension. Well, she was a minister, you see, so she'd get she a minister. Was, but she came, but she came in five years. <laughs> All right. All right. We covered and a lot of ground, Finbar. She got a pension. Go on. Good luck to you. Appreciate it. Thanks. We covered a lot of ground. Text 0868104106. Pick up the phone on 1850104106. We got nurses responding, actually, to somebody who was saying that um, only those nurses that were working within the COVID area were working very hard and flat out. There was huge sections of the CUH where the staff were around the building with their hands hanging. I can assure that listener that no nurse in COH was left with their hands hanging. I'm a nurse in the COH and I was redeployed during COVID. Our assessment unit become, became a COVID pathway assessment. Many operating theatres became ICU beds. Everybody sacrificed. It, it, it must be awful to have to, to explain yourself, I suppose, knowing that you worked really hard through COVID and that there are some people who don't believe it. It uh, must be very frustrating for you. Um, that woman must be a politician's mother. Neil, people took to the streets because of the injustices of many things in the past. Remember the water charges. Why, oh, why are we, the Irish people, just taking the USC, the universal social charge? Why do we accept it? It's just another tax added to our annual taxes. It would not be tolerated in any other European country. We need to stop USC. We need to stop it now. It came in as an emergency and was only supposed to be here for three or four years. That's the longest three or four years in history. Yet the big businesses, the likes of our apples, who can well afford to pay more than 25% annually, won't even pay the 12.5% tax when you take the rest of their legal tax dodging. Do you really think the French people would have allowed a USC in through the back door in the first place? No. Then there wouldn't be any reason to try and have it abolished. Anyway, I think the point you're making is nobody else would accept it. Why do we and what are we going to do about it? The universal social charge, a temporary measure, they said. But of course, that's what politicians say. But you don't necessarily believe them when they say it. And if you do, you're naive, actually. Some would suggest that I'm naive sometimes with regards to the stories they hear. But USC, that's a different matter entirely. That is absolutely not on. It really and truly isn't. I mean, taxation is one thing, but an added taxation onto it. I actually believe that um, Sinn Féin also are talking about extra taxation, particularly for higher earners. Maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. If you've got a higher earner at the moment now, that higher earner is probably paying up to the highest rate of tax, 59% as it is. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Printerville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. We've been talking a lot recently, hearing stories of refs being abused on the pitch from parents and coaches and fans and all, and also players themselves on the sidelines and what have you and on the pitch. Some refs have been forced to walk off and just abandon matches. I had a chat yesterday with Eddie Doyle. He's the Honorary Secretary of the School Boys League. He works with all of the referees and allocates all of their matches. I call 
up with them yesterday. I actually was just chatting with them about how bad it actually was. It isn't as bad as it's coming across at all, Neil. Um, like for you, there was a match abandoned last week. Okay, there was still nearly a hundred games played. You know, mm, mm. so so it's it, it, it's it's getting an awful lot of press now and things like that, and um, it isn't hugely different from what it was before. It shouldn't happen. Don't get me wrong. It shouldn't happen. But you know. The the ninety nine percent of all the games go ahead well, very well, and with no problems. In fact, I I actually got a text from a referee last week. Believe it or not, a lad who did a match with Donald Mogili. Yeah. And he said, on the fifteen match between two teams, he said there was two frees in the whole game. Both lines were exemplary. You know. Yeah. And that will be more the case than the bad parts we hear about it. No, I'm not trying to cover that up by any manner of means because we know that is happening and it has to be dealt with. We, of course, um, met with the referees, the ISRS, Cork Branch, um, to formulate uh, some plans. Effectively, we totally we totally backed them in their stance, I have to say. Mm. Um, and we do understand that it, there's no fun in being out there on a Sunday morning or a Saturday morning being abused. No, there's not. Who the haven't an iota what's going on. And know? who's doing, I mean, you're saying it's not as bad as it's being portrayed. I accept that because we need to be accurate and balanced about it. But if you Google, yes. if you Google the topic, you know, it, you know, incidents do come up. There was a, or there's no, a ref. There's no doubt they do. There's a ref mentioned he had to stop a game because somebody swung at him at an under 10 or 11s game. Another person ended up before the court. I don't know what the sentencing was because the judge uh, adjourned sentencing but he um, abused the ref after the ref gave a penalty to the opposing team. One ref was talking about um, stopping refing. He had wanted to ref and stopped when eventually, I think it was a chap by the name of uh, Harry McCann. He said, I walked off pitches on a few occasions. Uh, Some try and let the game go on but realistically if there's a parent or managing or abusing you, then you have to refuse and you uh, refusing you and they refuse to leave you have to abandon the game. He stopped wrestling, he said, after someone swung at him. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I've, listen, there are bad cases. It, it happens in every sport, unfortunately. But it seems to be very prevalent at the moment in soccer, which is a surprise because uh, bearing in mind that we were nearly two years without being able to play games with COVID, 18 months, the yeah. kids couldn't get a game. All we all wanted to do was get the kids back on the pitch, you know, and get them playing football again. Unfortunately, some people go to matches, lose the rag, and lose the run of themselves, and make stupid comments that they wouldn't dream of making if they were walking down Patrick Street. You know what I mean? Because yeah. they could be arrested for them. Yeah. Yeah. And all we can do as a league and the clubs, as well, in fairness to the clubs, is when this thing happens and say just a match does get abandoned, or not all matches get abandoned because this happens, there are some referees who can deal with it, who are much more experienced than others, of course, you know, and they know how to deal with it. They go talk to the manager. The manager is then, first of all, the club is responsible for all their supporters. That's the first thing. The club is responsible for their supporters, be they parents or managers or players or whatever else, right? The process is, the referee goes to the manager and says, look, Mr. X up there is abusing me. I want him removed from the pitch. No. Manager will go up and talk to the ref- to, to, to this guy and say, look, cop yourself on. If you don't disappear, the referee will abandon the match. Yeah. Who loses out? The yeah. kids. Yeah. The kids. Yeah. You know? Now, most fellas will, will disappear, but you'll get the odd one who won't. 
Now, no. why they cut the soccer matches in the first part, I, I have no idea. Is it because their kids? But is it because their kids are playing? Their sons playing? Well, it is. Well, most don't. most parents are more, parents are only at matches because their kids are playing, right? Unfortunately, some parents lose the runs on themselves. They think that maybe all you know everybody's against them. The referees out to get them. You know, this fella's doing that wrong. That fella's doing that wrong. I don't like the way the coach is dealing with it. Why isn't my 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 fella first everything? Why isn't he taking the penalties? You know, yeah. all this type of thing. Some parents. Unfortunately, and it's in every sport. Some parents can see the wolf in the trees. Do they think the they have the, the next Ronaldo or something, or Messi or well, Roy Keane? Well, no, no, it isn't Ronaldo. It's Roy Keane, really. You know, in Ireland, it's Roy Keane. We don't know who Messi and Ronaldo is. <laughs> but, but you can't be calling a ref. That, I'm not going to say the word here, but this guy was no, before can't. the judge because he called the ref an F-U-C-K-I-N-G dog. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. There's like there's no limit when some fellow loses that loses the cool like that. There's no limit to what they might say, okay. and that can only be dealt with by getting rid of them, abandoning the matches, whatever. The club needs to also get rid of them. But you know, it's tough in the clubs as well. Don't forget, all the clubs do superb work. Like you see their facilities, the amount of organisation that goes into all this, the amount of work that's done that's never seen by volunteers. Oh, no, and, that's and, they're, the and they're all volunteers yeah. and don't forget that. And these guys then are targeted by silly people who ruin it for everyone. But some some counties, and I, I was reading that County Louth Soccer has adopted a zero tolerance policy. They have told the referee in any instance of name calling or shouting or any kind of threatened abuse, pick up the ball, abandon the game straight away. Yeah, well... Everybody is looking at zero tolerance deal because it's the only way to deal with it, unfortunately, right? In, in, in our league, for instance, and I'm sure it's in every other league, if an incident happens, the first step is we get a referee's report, okay? Based on the information on the referee's report, then we have a disciplinary meeting and the clubs and or whoever's involved is called in. Called in. No, bear in mind that if a parent gets sent off, right, or is removed from the ground, we actually have no control over that parent. But what we do have control over is the club who is responsible for that parent. But what if you it's know? what if it's the coach? It's not always just that it could be well, one of the coaching if it's staff. The, if, if, it's, if it's the coach, it's not a problem. We can then deal with that separately, totally and utterly, and we do, you know? If, it's, if the coach is set off, he's in front of us in a disciplinary situation and he gets dealt with there. And do they have okay. this problem in rugby, do you know, or would, it, would they have this kind of a problem I'm in Gaelic not, football? I'm, I'm, I'm not, well, by all accounts, they certainly have it in Gaelic football because you see enough of that in the press as well. Um, I'm not too sure about rugby, uh, whether they're a different species or whatever, but I suppose if you look at the way rugby players respect the referee do, compared yeah. to other totally. sports, it's it, amazing. It, it, may, it may well, it, I mean, wouldn't you love to have it in soccer and everything? But other why sport? is it like that? Yeah. You see these huge, big uh, rugby players, massive, six foot, built like, uh, you know, and uh, they, they just do exactly what they're told by a ref. Well, they are because I, I don't know where. I, uh, to be honest, you're dead right. I don't know where it has come from, but the referees have the full respect of rugby players. Now, I'm sure, there's muttering goes on and on the rest. But I believe that, like, I'm quite sure parents. You see, parents want them all to be the next um, whoever, Barry McGann or whatever. When it comes to rugby players, or Ronan O'Gara, oh, and all these guys, yeah. you know. And and uh, but look, it seems to be. I I don't know what it is, but football seems to attract people. No, it has a lot to do as well with bearing in mind that football, believe it or not, soccer is, is, is apparently 
the most played. There's more participants in soccer in Ireland than any other sport. No, I know, and, and rightly, and rightly so that you it know? should, rightly so that it should thrive. That, but doesn't, okay. that doesn't excuse it. Don't get me wrong. No, so we dealt with the you parents know? and the coaches. But what about the young fellas themselves? Do they give the re- well? I can re- tell you now, Neil. I'm, I'm involved, and in, I've been involved in football for over fifty years. Right from the time I started playing with Clashine, right up to now, involved in the league, and you don't have trouble with the kids. Right. It's as simple as that. Kids kids get sent off. Kids do stupid things. We all, we all make mistakes growing up. Kids make mistakes on pitches they get sent off. It is a very, very rare occasion that we would see a child in a disciplinary meeting more than once. Yeah. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. we never have problems. Kids aren't the problem; it's adults are the problem, unfortunately. Yeah, but it's it's nearly like a society problem rather than a sport problem. People think they can go to a match or any sporting thing and lose the cool and say what they like, and they couldn't. They, you know, they they can't go down Patrick Street on a Saturday night and say that because well, they'd be arrested. Well, there's one weird. guy you can you be know? you can actually be in court for it if he goes into the guards and makes oh, a complaint. The ref, but you then you are, and I mean, yeah, referees referees do as well. Um, go go to the police after a match. I know you have no problem with that, but the, the, the that part of it then, you see, is something may happen, a referee gets abused, he feels that um, he needs to go, go go to the guards and report it, which is fine, and no problem with that. If it's that bad, it should be reported. But then, everybody's hands are tied until the guards look at it. Yeah. You know, because, because due process has to take and you can't prejudice anything, you know. So people think you're doing nothing about it, when in fact we can't do anything about it until the guards deal with it. Yeah, there's, um, there's another article I read from the Echo that said that um, the Irish Soccer Referees Society, the Cork branch, yeah. said that um, yes. uh, when, you, when, you, when you add up all of the refs that are available, there are 75 refs uh, in Cork uh, and they've different age groups, up to, up to and including people who are 70 years old and older from That's all Correct, yeah. All That's the way down correct. to under 20s reps, but that they expect to lose about 43% of those reps due to retirement yeah, in well, the next that, five that- years. That they can do because of the age profile, and that's very true. And what's actually lacking is 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 new kids, new new referees coming into the sport, and that's an FAI situation. Yeah, but really. no, but they said the, what they said was this is the Cork branch said of referees yes. said that uh, one of the main factors to losing referees and the difficulty in recruiting and retaining new ones is the treatment and, and abuse of match officials. It is, and, and by players, officials, and spectators. That, that that is quite understandable. But some of the problems, you see, you have experienced referees and you have new referees. The new referees have a very difficult job getting used. It, it is hard enough refereeing a match without listening to the rubbish on the sideline, yeah. you know. But I, like, I do understand what the referees are saying. We do have a very old age profile of some referees in Cork. Some of the referees who are refereeing school boys football refereed me. What's that? Is that saying much? Is that saying saying they're the 70-year-old refs, is it? We we do have, and I can tell you something for nothing now, those referees are the most committed guys there. Yeah. Have no doubts about it. Yeah. You know? There is there is serious commitment from referees. I mean, we I, I have great difficulty every Monday night. Every Sunday night, the referees in my panel, in the School Boys League panel, not my panel, the School Boys League panel, have to send me a text every Sunday night giving me their availability or their own availability for the weekend, whatever the case may be. Pictures go out on a Monday night, appear on the website at 7 o'clock, and then I allocate what referees I have to matches on the Monday night. And can you fill all games? No. 
Usually, last last Monday night, I allocated all the referees and I was short for 10 games on Sunday, next Sunday. Now, in the meantime, I have filled those games with help from referees from the other leagues who see the email that I send out. I send out an email every night saying short for this, short for that, whatever. And it goes to every referee in Cork. And most of the lads who have, have, by the way, all done their time in the schoolboys league will come back and help if they can. So those particular 10 games were filled. Yeah, but the week before you were 15 short. Exactly. The previous week before, we were short 15 referees. Um, nobody Nobody could fill them for me. Uh, we still played 64 games on the Sunday, competitive games, but we were still short 15 games that didn't get played. Now, that's 30, 30 teams of, that's the guts of five or 600 kids who didn't get a game when they should get a game. But it isn't all done, done to abuse and all that. 99% of our games go ahead without any trouble. Would you, you know, be, would you we, be? We hear about the bad ones. Yeah. You know? Would you be appealing now for people who might want to become referees? And if so, what makes, love, what makes a good I ref? Would, what makes a good ref is a guy who probably has a bit of experience, you know, of playing the game, which helps. You know, he definitely has to be cool and tuned into what's going on about him. But he also has to love it. You know, yeah. if you don't love anything, you have to have a passion for it, I would believe. You know, I think it's very hard to be a referee if, if you don't have a passion for what you're doing. It's very hard to be a coach if you don't have a passion for what you're doing. It's very hard to be a bloody fixture secretary if you don't have a passion and for also what you're you doing. Have to have, we, we love it, you know. You have, to be, you have to be willing to travel too, don't you? You do, of course, you do, and that's part and parcel of it. I mean, any of my, any of the, I keep saying my, when I don't mean my, it's a schoolboys league referees, uh, may have to travel anywhere within our league, okay, period, yeah. within our league area. You know? And are those, are, there, those, are those referees all male referees um, refereeing schoolboys? We, we, we have all male referees at the moment. We don't have any female referees. I'm not sure how many female referees are there, but they are possibly uh, working in the school girls league yeah. and things like that, and the, and, and the women's leagues. But again, we would have no problem having female referees. We do. We, we will take any referee, irrespective of whether they're male or female, because if the referees, they will get matches and they deserve respect. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. So how would Absolutely. they go? How would they go? How go about uh, contacting well, at the moment, th- Well, basically, it's the FAI recruit referees. Okay, yeah. they run referees beginners courses. Now there is one actually being advertised at the moment for Cork on the 16th of October, 16th and 17th of October. Uh, we've sent out the details to all the clubs. Uh, it's on our Facebook page as well, the link to it. If people go into the link, they can apply through the link to the FAI. The FAI then run the course. Now, for the last 18 months, they've been doing Zoom courses, which to me, I don't think are they very good. Work, no. they need, they, they're not. They're, 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 no, we did get referees out of it, yeah. to be fair. But they're not the same as face-to-face, as we all know. You know, I think we've all been Zoomed out of it at this stage. And um, so they they apply for that. They will go through the process of the training. They will go through guard vetting, and when they are guard vetted, then they will be allocated to a league. It could be it could be the CSL, and then it could be off, any other league. Then they're off and, and running then, and with the, whistle and, and in then hand. They're off, and then they're off and running with whistle in hand. <laughs> and then that's where there's an observer group then of referees or maybe ex-referees, if they don't mind me saying that, yeah. who who then go and check out these lads and lassies as their referee games and help them along and all the rest. Yeah, you know, yeah, but they're like it's like there's there's not enough referees. There's not enough observers either. They can't be everywhere. Okay, you know? and if somebody so wanted to get referees, if somebody wanted what, to get sorry? that information, um, that link to the FAI is that a, have you well, got a website? It, 
Yes, it's the Cork School Boys League. Uh, Facebook, we have a website as well. It's right. corkschoolboysleague.ie, which gets about 2 million page hits a, a, a season. Um, so it's quite popular because there's a lot of interest in football. And the reason there's a lot of interest, there's a lot of kids playing. We have 53 clubs, we're nearly 700 teams. There's a couple of hundred games a weekend. And um, not all not all that need refs, by the way. There's non-competitive games as well. And... Um, it's a solution that we need. This whole refereeing situation is a solution that we need badly for all sorts of reasons. I mean, the whole COVID thing um, showed us basically what the value of sport is. The kids especially, the lack of it uh, caused havoc. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, you have to recognise the fact that parents, and especially parents who seem to go mad on the line, should recognise the fact that in the last 18 months, clubs and coaches went way above and beyond to keep their kids interested with Zoom coaching and all this kind of thing, you know, and they need they, they deserve respect for that. Yeah. Um, if you, you want know, to keep the, the kids parents, on the straight parents, and narrow as well, sport will also help. Well, yeah. sport is a huge part to play in that, as you know. Listen, thanks so <laughs> much for on. your commitment to the game. Thanks for taking the call. Not a bother, Neil. Thank you. Cheers, Take Eddie. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best and newest names in Irish music. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now. 1850 Red FM. Free Food Friday, courtesy of ourselves, an Oak Fire Pizza. 15 of you will be fed. Six large pizzas, the big humdingers with the garlic bread and the potatoes and the drinks and the dips and desserts and everything. It'll feed 15 of you. So you've one final opportunity now to text who you are and where you are to 0868 104 As I do some more shout outs for Anthony and everybody working at the County Council in Glanmire. They're starving. To all the gang at ECIG. JCB and Carrick Tool to George and the gang at Euro Car Parts and Duke Cloyne, uh, Dave Nodwell at DCN Developments in Glanmire. Everyone's working very hard except for Johnny. So no pizza for Johnny. Skull Bernadette Special School in Montanati. Morning to you all. Area Carpet and Flooring in Lehenamore Business Park. Ard Fallon Late Night Pharmacy. Passage West Post Office are listening. AP and Dairy Gold are listening as well. St. Killian Special School. Boots on Half Moon Street. The Holistic Day Services of the Brothers of Charity. Everyone at Umpustin Cove. Pat the Baker in Forge Hill. Morning Carol. ESI Technologies in Dunkettle. Cork Cleaning Solutions in Money Gourney. Irish Removers in Bishopstown. A very special communion tomorrow Neil at the McGrath home in Cove and they'd love pizza and I'll do some more shout outs in about 15 or 20 minutes time our third final blast so text who you are and where you are to 0868104106 as well as the, okay I'll just I'll do this and then I'll explain uh, the ringtones again and play some more of them but Keith needs a dig out my old buddy old pal how are you how are you, Neil? How are things, by? You sound fine to me, even though you seem to have smashed the false I'm teeth. I want the pressure. Right, what happened? I, I, I have a confirmation. The granddaughter's been confirmation at 12, quarter 12. And I've been brushing my false teeth this morning, and they cracked. Do you, blo- do you brush false teeth, um, or do you not put them in a glass of steridant, No. What is Neil? I brushed mine all the time. I didn't know, you see, because I have all of my own teeth. Um, I don't have. I know, you see, that's so. But I'm lucky enough now, Neil, because the brother I rang the brother and he ever said above. Why did you borrow his, Keith? Yeah, he's going to bring him down. <laughs> don't make... there, and I see that's a they are me, you know? Don't make me laugh. Oh, yeah, but I, I was on the savage. Uh, I was on the savage pressure, Neil, and I was on to yourself. Did definitely. you drop them or what? Or, or do you take them no. out of your mouth to brush them, or do you brush them in? I brush them in, Neil. Right, and what were you brushing them with? A fork or something? No, I only do the. Do you know the um, Do the soft sponge? 
And then there was a bit of a rough side on the other side. Yeah, what happened? An X-Ball digit. <laughs> what? Oh, that'd be like a sound thing in the morning. Yeah, a secret sound. Keith's fault, teeth smash. So are you looking to get them fixed or do you want to borrow the brother-in-law's? Well, I'm going to try the brother-in-law's one now, right? Yeah. And if they don't fit me, because should we all have the same amount of teeth? Have many? Yeah, we? well, assuming you have a full set of dentures, are they all false? Or the whole omni, I'm the top of my head. <laughs> I am the top of my head, that's what. And I go up there and I have to be smiling the whole lot. So you know? couldn't go to the you couldn't go to the confirmation without your teeth, no? People but would know. Granddaughter will leave me going in. <laughs> he rang me and all that. Granddad, you can't go up like that. Because you wouldn't be able to stand in for photographs. You wouldn't be able are you going for a bit of lunch after it? Well, we're going for lunch after all that's but that's all I could have is the soup. Soup and a straw, is it? Soup and a straw. So what if I can get them fixed before midday? Have we time? Well, you know what time is it now? It's it, past 11. Yeah, no, it's it? not. It's 12 minutes past 11. 12 minutes past 11, right? But the brother lies on the way down now, Neil, right with his. Wait, how long will he be? He'll be about five minutes, he said. I know that that the neighbours have to hear the spear said as well. So we have two sets that you can try out. You don't sound as if you're talking to me without teeth in, though, Keith. I know it's a need that I'm used to with all the time. I'm going to talk to you when we've been talking to me like that. You feel me? No, I can talk to you, no, me for talking to you. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I've been practicing since I was my neighbour. I don't know Kathleen, and she's going to get. I'm going to try her ones then. Do you want me to? Do you want to try them while you're talking to me there? Wait a moment, no, Kathleen. Kathleen. See if we can. Have you got a teeth there on you? <laughs> it was your five teeth there, the steak there. I'm in it, You better wa- You better wash them first. I know, she's trying. Kathleen is botches. You can't put them in unless you wash them first. Run them under a bit of fairy liquid or something. Hold down the stick. Hold down the stick and just trying to get them in. You're made of mighty stuff. No, don't want to sit. No, can Go back, Kill. Go back. What's wrong? Are they too small? Huh? Are they too small? They're too small. I suppose women have smaller mouths, have they? They have smaller mouths, I suppose. Maybe a different shaped jaw, you know? But I'm trying to say, Need, we all have the same amount of teeth. We all smile the same. I know we all laugh different. But surely he's got one will fit on, no? Well, maybe. I don't know if you can just. You can't buy false teeth off the shelf life. Like, you just can't. I mean, you think you. There's not an aisle down in Tesco, false teeth next to toothpaste, like. Yeah, I suppose there's not. No, no. Do I you know, just tried the brother. Hold on, no, there's not the neighbour coming out there. Hold to me, one sec. Yeah. Go on, Anthony, show me. Do I show him? Nah, fuck it. Neil, I said, my mouth's all a bit in there. Mouth of me. Stop. Stop. I'm in pain in my rib. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Hang on a second. We'll hold out for the brother-in-laws and see if they fit. Right, that's what to do. So. Can, you, can you not get a little bit of wire or maybe a paper clip or something? And a bit of, Can you not get super glue, no? Oh, Disney, you can't put super glue on your mouth, can you? <laughs> Huh? What are you talking about? Talk you're, put, you're putting half the parish's teeth in your mouth. You shouldn't be worried about a drop of dry super glue. <laughs> <laughs> oh 
Well, it's either that or don't go, or it's either that or have soup through a straw. H- hold on a second there now, because the clock's against us. Tony has a dental lab on Barrack Street. Tony. Neil, how's it going? How much of the conversation with how much of Keith's conversation have you have you heard? I heard the beginning of it and then bit in the middle, but yeah, he's a bit of a character, obviously. Okay, so uh, Keith, Tony's yeah. has Tony has a dental lab that repairs. Well, he done them for me. <laughs> Did he? Ah, well, Did. See, there he goes. He could pop into us any time. We get done and all. He's, he's a chance at He's only looking to talk to you, Neil. So if no, no, I mean he gen, genuinely <laughs> was. Tony, are they all different sizes? They are all different well, sizes, different mouths. Well, have yeah, we not got the same amount of teeth? No. Uh, yes and no, but they're all different sizes. People's bodies can be identified by their teeth, believe it or not, kids. So, oh Jesus Christ! If I kick yeah. the bucket, they won't be able to defeat There's no one size fits all when it comes to Fosty. So, do you want to get over to Barrack Street ASAP? Do you? I will. I'll run straight over now to Tony Diano, but will I check the brother-in-law's ones first? What do you think, Tony? Should he oh, keep... Yeah. Do, do you think oh, he check could... Check the brother-in-law's You can check away if you want. <laughs> It'll be great fun. He could... <laughs> there was always the saying in Cork long ago in the, in the 40s and 50s that if there was something important on Mary, go down to Joanna and borrow her teeth <laughs> and she'd wear them and give them back to her. But I don't know how true it was, but it could possibly happen if Mary's teeth were bigger than the other one. The bigger teeth will go in the smaller mouth but they were yeah. bitter or anything, but at least they'd fill the gap. You're saying that somebody might be going out of an evening and they'd run down to the neighbours to borrow their right. teeth. That's <laughs> right. It would usually be a funeral or something that did something <laughs> unexpected. You think they might they borrow think. a suit or a dress or something, but not yeah, their teeth. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, no, I don't know how true it is, but that was the story <laughs> that used to go around long ago. Okay. Um, so you can imagine. But okay. if you to pop into us, we... All right, Keith, you have a choice. You can either leg it now over to Barrick's Street to Tony, or you can wait and try the brother-in-laws. Well, the brother-in-law will be down in a couple of minutes. Dude. I'm going to zap his lines in. Right? So if, I, if I don't see and if not, boom. All right. Okay. Yeah. If they don't fit, get over to Barrack Street. All right. And I just say, respect for me granddaughter there, Alex O'Connell's man of confirmation. Have a, have a great day, with or without, with or without, uh, <laughs> with or without Keith. All right. All right, Tony. What's your company? What, what company have you got over there? What is it? Uh, Cork Prosthetics CP Dental well, no, CP, CP Dental. Dental fair play to you yep. good happy to give you a shout out appreciate it let me know how it goes in the next five minutes will you Keith alright come back to me I really want to know whether the brother-in-law's fit or not so come back to me on that one just a quick one there alright we leave it at that come back after the break The Neil Prenderville Show on Twitter at Neil Red FM. Okay, people who failed driving tests. The tester was showing me street signs. He showed me a big H and he asked me what it was. I said helicopter landing pad. It was a hospital. When I did my test over 30 years ago, I was doing the reverse around the corner. A dog came into the middle of the road and proceeded to do a poo. I asked the tester what did he want me to do. And he said I was the driver. So we sat there until the dog was finished. I passed the test. I mean, what was the other option, really? Like, reverse over the dog? Uh, When I was doing my test 22 years ago, it was around lunchtime. When I stopped, my brother came to the window talking. I read this out yesterday, but it's funny. I want to read it again. We were doing the the test. Stopped. Brother came over to the window talking. He wouldn't leave for about 10 minutes. He'd had a few pints in him. 
He killed 10 minutes of the test and I still passed. The driving instructor could only laugh. I totally agree with the caller about road markings on the test centre routes in Wilton. Sarsfield Road roundabout markings are terrible. I'm learning at the moment and I drive that route. I drive the road every day for work. They are marked clearly. I don't know what those people are on about with regards to the road marks around Wilton. Anyone in 1979 who got their free, full driving licence were superb drivers like myself. I got driving lessons off my father by. I'm on my second provisional gold star. Um, how can you be on a second provisional gold star if you got a full license? But anyway, you probably know best. But back in 79, there were so many people looking for licenses and there was such a backlog that they just had an amnesty and they just gave full license to everybody without testing them. I know. My driving test experience was the tester's words were, there's no need for you to talk. I'm here to give instructions where to go. He was so abrupt I said to myself, I failed here, so I just went through the motions, but I passed. One or two more. I passed my driving test five years ago, but I remember my first test clearly. I had finished all the mandatory part of the test, three-point turns, reversing around the corner, and I was making my way back to the test centre from Powderduff Road, where I reached that dreaded tiny roundabout on the Tremor Road. I found myself waiting too long. I was conscious of getting marked down. I decided to go for a gap in the traffic. And a car flew round the roundabout and met me in the centre. The, t- the tester shouted, stop! And I jammed on the brakes and came to a dead stop in the middle of the roundabout. I reckon the poor woman in the other car saw the high-vis jacket on the tester and she politely waved me by. I looked over and saw the tester marking a red mark on the paper. I knew I'd failed there and then. Um, the worst part was when I got back. He said, obviously you know you have failed. Then he just said, Then he said this just as I left. Some advice for your next test. Don't be so cocky. I looked at the test paper and I'd not got one mark in it, bar the big red one. I was raging. I can tell you, I did pass the second time. Keep those coming and also your ringtones, all right? Um, uh, we've got uh, some lovely prizes there to give away from Naturally Nourished who are open again at Maham Point and also on Penrose Dock. They do fabulous smash burgers, 30 euro vouchers. We're on the hunt for Cork's best voicemail message or ringtone. Um, and here are some of the other ones, actually, uh, that people are using these days. Like, for instance, this one. We're Anybody got home phones anymore with answering machines on them? Here's another one. I'll start, I'll give the beep, and you can get started. You ready? All right. And beep. Hi. You know who you called. Leave a message. Maybe they'll call you back. Then again, maybe they won't. That's how life is. Point is, you've done what you can. <laughs> Have a nice day. He's just the greatest. Samuel L. Jackson. You've seen him in Pulp Fiction, isn't he something else? Um, actually, this is a, a funny little story for you. Apparently, uh, Seamus Whelan was at a county council meeting in council chambers once when his phone went off. This was his ringtone. <laughs> In all fairness, like, who would take a journalist seriously who's got a ringtone of the Muppets? 
<laughs> Think about it, like all the county councillors looking at him. Are well, you yeah. Have you got rid of that? No, but the phone is on silent ever since. I was. It was 2016, Neil. I was in the middle of a full council meeting in the chamber, and it was John Paul O'Shea was the uh, county mayor at the time, and uh, my plumber was ringing me, and off it goes, and John Paul just looks, and the whole chamber erupted, and he says, "If anybody wants to know what that tune is, ask Seamus." The Muppet Show. Good choice, though. I love the Muppet Show. Actually, funnily enough, Emer had an. Uh, you said that I was offended. <laughs> offended recently. Said I was offended by the ringtone of your phone. You will make me sound like such a cranky git. I know, yeah. It's so funny because it's the most annoying. I don't know what happened, but for the last couple of years, I had the most annoying ringtone and I had it up really high because with the kids at it home, was, I can't it hear it. It wasn't the ringtone. It was just that this, this, was, this is it. <laughs> it was so loud. <laughs> And it was yeah. right next to me. And yeah. all of a sudden, bah! and I'm saying, God almighty, is the roof gone? Oh, no, it's Seamer's phone. Mark said that any time he was out in a pub for the last few years and he'd hear, the, or not a pub, anywhere in public, and he'd hear that, he'd be like, oh, jeez, uh, like memories of being in work. or am I Every day or I was getting shocks yeah, from that thing. I know. So you, you changed it, though. Well, no, I kept it for about two years because I knew it dro- drove you mad. So... <laughs> I did that intentionally, but I had to change it recently. And the other, the new one is awful as well, really. But it's kind of, it's more kind of chill. It's kind of mellow. Okay, would you? Would people prefer this or this little lovely thing? It's kind of cool, isn't it? It's kind of like. See, I can work with that. It's kind of like uh, I don't find the submarine. I don't find that offensive. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I keep that one so. Listen, I'm not a workplace bully. You can have any ringtone you want, but you're stopping my heart with the old one. Talking about submarines, did you watch Vigil yet? I told you to I watch didn't. that. I didn't. No, it's on my list, actually. Fantastic. Yeah. Lads, if you want to watch something for the weekend, watch the TV drama series Vigil. It's absolutely incredible. All submarines. Brilliant stuff. Okay, well, have I got more here? No, I think that's it for now, I think. And we'll see if we go with it. Anyway, keep them coming. So let us have your voicemails, your funny ringtones. You can WhatsApp them to me. WhatsApp uh, the voice message or your ringtone. WhatsApp 086-8104-106. And we'll let this run. We probably will revisit again on Monday and see how we're getting on with it. So keep them coming. Back to the phone lines we go. Maeve, good morning. Good morning, Neil. Okay, now we're back to... I don't have an update on Keith's false teeth. I don't know whether the brother-in-law's fit. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but um, you, you you think that he might have brought on early labour, is it? Yes, it was so funny. <laughs> I was on the sofa crying. <laughs> and all I could think of was Neil's ribs. And please don't go into labour because this man is just... <laughs> oh, it was so brilliant. <laughs> My my sore my sore rib is my sore rib is a lot more is a lot more difficult and problematic than your pregnancy. I can tell you that. I don't know about that, Neil, because I'm expecting a girl, and the heartburn and just a boy's pregnancy is so much easier. I knew I'd be laughing on air today, and it's just every time I laugh, God, it's a pain. It's got to be. This has got to be worse than labour, to be honest with you, Maeve. Would you believe me? No, because my first son was ten pounds, so I don't think your oh, ribs are as bad as oh, ten pound baby. Oh, <laughs> All right. Well, he hasn't brought on early labour, has he? Not yet. But if he comes back on and as funny as he is, it, I'll be going straight to see him. Okay. Well, you can't call your daughter Keith after him. That's for sure. <laughs> no. 
Her name's going to be Alana. Alana's a beautiful name. I'm sure you can't wait for her. I'm sure you also can't wait for Jay, for Jay, or for um, for Keith to come back on air. We'll see how he got on with the brother-in-law's teeth. You know, all right. I'm to listen to the podcast again tonight. I'm really looking forward <laughs> okay. to it. Okay, all right. Cheers. Take care. Thanks for that. Uh, we'll see how he got on with the brother-in-law's teeth. Let me get to Mark. Mark, good morning. Hey Neil, how are you like? Okay, I was chatting with Eddie there with regards to the abuse and the grief that referees are getting. One of the questions I was asking was, why don't referees in rugby matches get any grief at all? They don't like. Players are so well behaved. I don't know so much about GA, but soccer, there's a problem. That's like if you watch rugby matches on your TV, you see none of the players in the referees abuse. Move around a bit there, Mark. It's not a great phone line. Why is, if, yeah, why is it with rugby, it's totally different? Guys from the top, they respect the referees. They don't use abuse. They don't abuse the referees in uh, international games, top league games, whatever. But in the Premiership, it's it's a disgrace. So you know the coaches at matches in Cork, for instance, shouting at roaring at the refs. Is that because they see the Premiership managers doing it? In my opinion, I think it is. Because they're looking at it from the top, they all think they're Premiership managers, Premiership players. So even from lower leagues but I remember playing years ago if you just even use bad language in your own player you'll be yellow carded but I don't know does that happen now but definitely not in the premiership it's, you can see it constantly or international matches and what should a ref do do you think in a situation like that where they're being abused from the sideline so, like what they're doing now the other referee said send yellow card them or send them off and if they don't go then you have to abandon the game and if they keep doing that it will They'll have to get the picture. Like, yeah, should that? And uh, are you talking about that happening in the Premiership as well? As the, oh hasn't there? God. Wasn't Mourinho? Wasn't Mourinho sidelined a few times? Wasn't he? Ah, uh, yeah, but that's that's for sure. I think you, you see constantly the players like Manchester United, Manchester City, Chelsea. You can see them surrounding the referees anytime there's a free kick, shouting at the referee, using bad language. You can read their lips. This is disgrace. It's actually terrible. They should just yellow care them if they use bad language. And after a while, after fully year doing that, they'll get the picture and stuff. You know the problem, just finally, the problem would appear with regards to, um, uh, you know, schoolboys league is the parents shouting and roaring. That's, that's the problem. That's an absolute disgrace. I would love to be there to, to football matches and stuff, but the bad language is just horrible. It's a disgrace. It's and, and for that reason, you wouldn't bring a child, no? No, okay. no, definitely not. Okay, well, that's sad. That's sad. All right, my man. Listen, good to catch up. Thanks, Mark. Let me keep on moving. If you've got a thought on referees or parents shouting abuse or coaches shouting abuse, text 0868104106. Sinead, good morning. Uh, Let me just get my phone lines right here. There you are. Sinead, thanks for holding. There was a chap on the air there before 11 um, was making a point that, um, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. That I shouldn't be airing calls like Sarah's looking for a house because she's in the box room at home. Did you want to get in on that? Yeah, like I feel like it kind of should be aired because like in my eyes, I'm working full time. My partner's working full time. When I got pregnant, I did go down to go on the list and they said that my mom had adequate space in the house. So I couldn't join the list. So I was like, okay. But when he was born, I was allowed to because it was two families cohabiting. So I joined to this, that was three and a half years ago. Like, since then, I have been, like, we are saving. We are trying to get on, because I was told to that it will be 10 years, like, till we get a house. 10. And I'm lucky, 10, yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, not the first time I've heard 10 this morning. Eight to 10 years, I've been, to, I've been told. 
Yeah, it's crazy. Like, and then, like, we're lucky. I am able to live at home with my parents. I'm lucky because, to be honest, I did try all the hap and everything. Couldn't get it. So then we said, look, we'll just put our heads down, keep trying to, like, save and get on the housing market. Well, there was another then, call just before midday, before 11, and he was saying that, where's the effect that housing should only be for the Irish? I mean, that's a dangerous thing to say, surely. In a way, I can understand where he's coming from. I think he might have worded it wrong because from my own personal experience too, I believe obviously other people from more countries and stuff like that, if there's reasons like that, okay, how's them? But I feel like if you're working full-time in the country, I'm not even looking for a council house, even if there was more affordable housing and stuff. I feel like the Irish working class normal people just working away, they're priced out of the private market. You can't get a social house. You affordable housing. Jesus, I'm onto them for the last twelve months. Yeah. No one knows what's going on about yeah. it. Yeah. And I see like I know people that have are from other countries and have been here for ten years. That's great, and they've got houses. And I'm delighted for them. They, their families let them have a house. But I feel like I'm Irish. I'm working on my life. I feel like we should be prioritised. And then afterwards, if the like the houses given to people. I went to Australia when I was younger. I went there, like you said, people, we'd go all over the world working. But I wasn't given a house. I wasn't given assistance. If I didn't have money, like you go home. Like there was no that, other That's true. You had to paddle your own canoe in all of the countries that we went to. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just feel like in general, the whole, everything with the housing is insane. And another thing that I wanted to bring up, I know it's a different subject, but it's, for working families, like I got my son's you know, year roster for his preschool and all his holidays throughout the year, like my holidays will cover like most of them. That's fine from work. So I can be off to look after him when he's not there. But like, for example, he finishes school in June on the 30th. He's not back till September. That's like two months that I can't really afford to leave my job and just I won't get my job back. Like I have to work. Yeah then you can't get people in just to mind your child for two months because it's really actually hard to find someone that would just do... But somebody is bound you. to be saying to the radio, you need to think about these things before you have children, surely, no? But, like, I do think about these things, like, but like I find as me, I would be better off leaving my job, getting the dole. Gotcha. And I'd be here because yeah. I actually, like, I work full-time, work five, five hours a week. I start work at 5 a.m. in the morning... I work fully through then, I shouldn't be, but through till one and take my lunch break at one so I'm back to collect him and free for the day for him then. So I'm not like someone sitting at home going, I want everything done for me. You I start at 5am, you do 5am to one o'clock? I work, I will like my shift is five to two and that's just because work is lenient now because we're working from home before it was seven, I had no other option. But since COVID kicked in, I start work at 5am because he's sleeping. I'm oh lucky God. I live at home and my mum will drop him off to the preschool for me and he's not back till one. Then I take my lunch break from one to two. So I'm here when he gets back and then I finish work for the day. But then that, that's my 45 hour a week and I'm delighted that works well. But from the other point of view, I'm like... I understand. I do manage well with having him and working full time. But you're but wondering, are you, a, are you a busy fool, you're thinking, yeah. That's what I'm saying. It would be easier if I just quit my job, got, got the dole, and I was here for him, or maybe reduce my hours to part-time, but financially, when you're trying to get on the property ladder because you're not going to get a house, I can't like quit my job. I don't want to quit my job. You know, I, like, we need to have well, a job. There's a lot of reasons why you want to work. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course. And for him as well, my parents always worked. And I just feel like I talk parental leave. I have to take the 
month of August off because um, his crash was closed, which was fine. And I know you can take parental leave, which is good, but it's unpaid, which is fine. You can save in advance for it as much as you can. But it does put an awful lot of financial pressure like on you to take that time off. And I feel when people are working full time, there's no help in any sector for yeah. anything. Yeah. I just think why when you're taking that parental leave, can you not be entitled to like even half of your adult payment or some PRSA so you're not putting yourself into huge financial pressure just to be off. It's not And do you know the free preschool, you know, the two years um, from yeah. three to five and that, does that stop across the summer? Uh, yeah, like the preschool closes on the 30th of June yeah, yeah, and okay. he won't be back till yeah. September. So that's a problem, yeah. When he was in crisis. That's a disaster, isn't it, for parents? So, yeah, like I managed the last two years because he, it was till the end of July. So it was only August I financially had to take unpaid time off work. I got over it, we saved and we did it. But looking at his new schedule, I'm like two months of unpaid work is going to be critical. I'm actually sitting here going like, what what am I actually going to do? I don't know. And I'm lucky. I do have family that help out and stuff. Yeah, but family have as to. That other previous caller said it's not my mum and dad's responsibility for the two months of the summer to mind my child. It's no one's responsibility. I work very hard. My partner works very hard. And even with the salaries that we're on, I'm like, we feel like we're lost cases. Like we're like, what are we actually doing? Can't get on the property that are worried sick about next June. I actually, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how other people manage. I'm like, what are we It's tough, on you. To it's tough, and yeah. that's an early start, I can tell you. It's an early yeah. start. But yeah, no, I'm lucky, though. I'm like, if it wasn't for that, I'd have to probably quit or whatever. I just feel like sometimes they're, it's like they're pushing working families not to work in a way. There's no incentive. Would you, be, would you have a better chance of getting your own place if you gave up work? I don't know. I, I know it probably would be that may, I don't know if it actually makes a difference if you don't work and you're on just the dole. Maybe you do get a house quicker. Well, I'm not the, sure. No one yeah, ever you, okay. You know, but what we do know is the, is the growing number of Irish mums who are quitting work because mum's salary really is just a salary that's earned to pay childcare. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. No, like that's, that's, that's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like if I was to pay someone, I, first of all, I don't think I'd ever find someone that would be willing just to do it for the two months because other people mind people all through the year and it's just for the two months that I'd be stuck. I feel like the price that I'd be paying that person if I did find someone would be my salary anyway. It, so I'd yeah. be working just for my child to be looked after by someone else. And they're saying, what's the point no doing that? And then having yeah. somebody else minding the child. Yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, so I just, I don't Catch know. Okay, yeah, all right. Listen, mind yourself. Thanks, Sinead. Look after yourself and thanks no for problem. coming on Thank air. 1850 104 106. You can text 086 8104 106. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850 104 106. Uh, to um, my conversation with Sinead, I think Nora is responding saying, Tell that caller, yeah, give up your job. Try living on the dole. Then you'll know what it's like. We have nothing given to us. Try it and then you'll know for yourself. Just give it a try and you will see. Lines open at 1850-104-106. You can text 0868-104-106. I'm going to have a quick chat with uh, uh, Tommy Gould, Sinn Féin TD. We've got the budget on, on Tuesday and while we don't necessarily know exactly uh, what the government are going, to, are going to bring in with regards to the budget, we'll have to wait and see on that. We, w- we do know what Sinn Féin would bring in the budget-wise if, for instance, they were in government and in power. Um, and Tommy Gould joins me by phone. Tommy, good morning. 
Good morning. Neil. I, I, w- I will come back. I will come back also to Barry Ga- ba- yourself and Barry Cowan because I think he was mocking. Yes. I think he was mocking the Cork accent. More about that in a minute. But um, just just give us an idea. Let's say that you were in power. Um, what what would we be hearing about on Tuesday? You see, Neil, I think that your last call summed it up how obsessed she is was and frustrated by where she is at the moment. And for people like Sinead, uh, like you mentioned it, some people are going to work, are going to work and their money goes to pay their childcare. Yeah. Our plan, Pierce Authority is planned to reduce childcare costs by a third this next year and the year after and to make childcare then a real part of the education system like primary and secondary school. How do you reduce yeah. childcare costs? They're, they're private businesses. But what we want to do is make it as part of the education system. The same way primary schools, children, is part of the education system. That's what we want to do with childcare. But at the start, we want to reduce the costs and to get childcare providers to come in under the government, or what we would have as our government strategy, and then that would reduce the costs. Okay, so by what? Two thirds. What? Am, two years, Neil. Okay, so two thirds the costs would come down because the the government or the state or the taxpayer would end up paying some of the wage bills and some of the overheads to the creches. Yes. Who would then reduce their fees. And they would have to sign up to it. Okay. So, and to be honest, Neil, like you, you hear what Sinead was saying there, that would make a substantial difference to Sinead. But also a lot of calls this morning from people on housing lists and now being told by Cork City Council, you will be waiting eight to ten years for a home. Yeah. Well, Neil, we've known that for years. That has been the average waiting time. But you see, Neil, right now, this minute, we've been looking for an affordable housing to be built. If, if, we're, in, if we're in government, Owen O'Brien is our housing spokesperson. We'll build 20,000 houses a year, 12,000 social, social 4,000 uh, affordable to purchase, and 4,000 affordable to rent. That's 20,000 houses every year. Now, I won't start the housing crisis immediately, but what I will do is over a couple of years, people will either be able to buy a house or rent a house or get a social But that's exactly what Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael are promising and doing, building 20,000 homes a year. Neil, Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael have been in power for 10 years. In my maiden speech in 2009, I raised how there was a housing crisis and very similar to what happened to me Wednesday night, they left. Right, and that's the problem. The difference is, Neil. They're looking at investment funds, the bankers, the cuckoo funds. Like I'm in Shannon Street now at the moment doing the clinic. There's people in my waiting room now who want to talk to me about housing, about what they're going to do, trying to buy a house, trying to rent a house. Like we are meeting the real people who are working hard, who are trying to raise families, and who are getting no help from this government. Like I, I did read a lot about what you would have, what you're proposing as an alternative budget. Okay, and you're also talking about, and this seems to be a problem with people. Sinn Fein would increase the state pension by a fiver. Um, why, why only a fiver if you want to help those that need it? Well, you see, Neil, what we will also do is we will increase the, the threshold for those who would qualify for the um, for the fuel assistance, and we'd also extend the period by an extra couple of weeks. So what we're trying to do is put money where it's needed and where it's more, most benefit. So for people, like, there's a huge problem at the moment. We're raising it with the government about the cost of electricity, about the cost of heating oil, about the cost of... Like, we need to target that money at those people who need to spend it on that. 
So here's how you're going to do it. You're going to borrow 1.5 billion euro more than the government intends to borrow. You're going to do all of this by borrowing money. Sure, anyone could do that. No, Neil, the ESRI, which is a government think tank strategy in relation to finance, has told the government, because you can borrow now at virtually zero interest, now is the time to borrow to build houses, now is the time to borrow uh, in relation to projects that need to be done, because it's so cheap to borrow now, we might never get this opportunity. And would part of that borrowing and spending tackle waiting lists and costs of health care and... People on trolleys yeah. and in on, on on chairs and A and E's. Like David Cullen was in Cork with me on Monday. We met the the management, the COHs. We met the gambling uh, drivers. We met with people in relation to maternity and having to wait. What we would do is we deliver nine hundred and thirty two additional beds, six hundred of those acute inpatient beds, and we'd also hire six thousand two hundred and fifty staff. It'll cost four over five hundred million, right? Where are you going to get the staff if 25% of the nurses this morning says they're quitting nursing because they're burnt out? But so no wonder they're burnt out because of the way the government have treated them. Near last year, we tried to get a payment for student nurses and midwives who went in on the front line when things were really bad. Students went in at the front line and this government gave them nothing. What we're going to say is we're going to sit down with the unions, we're going to sit down out with the, 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 the hospitals, and we're going to put a plan in place. David Connell last week outlined all budgets specifically on health. It's, it's a big job of work, and right. it won't be done overnight. But you have, you know, we have the universal social charge, which is uh, scandalous, I think, up to 7% on top of people's tax. You, you and Sinn Féin want to create a new tax. It's called a solidarity tax. tax. Yes. It's another 3% on top of the universal social charge. What's that about? Well, Neil... If you're earning 140,000 euros or more, we're looking to put a 3% solidarity tax on the money over the 140,000. So we're not looking to do the money underneath it. So you're That's already been taxed at a rate of 59%, though, isn't it? Well, one sec, though. Your listeners are listening at this morning. How many of your listeners are earning over 140,000 euros? And would they have a problem with people who are paying 140,000 euros paying an extra 3%? This, for those people earning that type of money, this is very small money we're talking about. But over, when you put it all together, it makes a real difference. So we'd have PRSI, universal social charges, and for high earners, a solidarity tax taxed, tax. And, and Neil, like, to be fair, so then you'd have all of the all of the so you'd have all of the people who are going through college in Ireland, who are getting good jobs and good career paths, looking at all the taxation in Ireland under Sinn Fein and legging it to other countries. Isn't that what would happen? You'd have doctors going and surgeons going and teachers going and. Uh, no, and do you know why that wouldn't happen, Neil? Because of the investment then we are putting into the hospitals, into the healthcare service, these doctor nurses will stay because they won't be burnt out. They'll be working in jobs where they're appreciated, they're listened to, and they're supported. The problem for the doctors and nurses at the moment is they're overrun and they're burnt out. When you're spending the money the way we're going to spend it, we're going to make their jobs easier and not easier. We're going to, what we're going to do is make their jobs more doable, that they're not constantly under pressure. And we've spoken to the staff, and Neil, they don't want to leave. The majority want to work here, but they just feel they hate to see in the government don't value them, don't respect them, and they want someone to say, like, 
people want to work. I like I I've spoken to nurses now. And I actually spoke to a doctor who was going to Boston this year. And the only reason she was going is she didn't see a future here. She wanted to have a good quality of life. And that's what we want to do. We want to create... Going to America for a better quality of life. That sounds extraordinary. Yeah, would you believe she, she went to... She was, she was finished in UCC. She was doing a year here to gain experience in general practice. And she was going to America then to work. Okay, okay. You see, I suppose what people think is that they pay massive taxes already and they pay massive additional taxes with universal social charge, which was only, only supposed to be temporary. And, and they have nothing to show for it. They have to pay yes. for everything themselves. And we see, Neil, that's the, 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 when we talk to doctors and nurses and uh, people in the healthcare on the front line, the biggest issue for them is how hard it is and how under stress and under resourced they are. Like, no, I'm talking about everybody, everybody here. If you want anything, you have to pay for it. Nothing comes as part of your taxation, as a, as a return for taxation. Do you know what I mean? It can be anything. You know, but you have to get private health insurance. You have to get, like, you have to pay for refuse collection. Undoubtedly, we'll end up paying for water. We're going to be hammered by climate change. We're going to pay more for petrol and diesel, more for home heating oil. You know, I know we need to act on climate change, but it's going to cost. For Neil, just two things. What we're looking to do is give renters one month's rent back because rents are enormous at the moment. That's the difference between us and the government. Whereas Peer Starty has it, it costed so that renters would get one month's free rent back every year. <laughs> also, when you talk about uh, the carbon budgets, it's crazy with the cost of electricity and oil at the moment. It's the most vulnerable people now are paying that. We should be putting the carbon taxes on the big polluters, the big companies who are wasting all this energy and who are polluting the... the but you're taxing somebody down in West Cork, for instance, like I was talking to yesterday, who hasn't got bus service really, hasn't got a train and needs their car. You know? Neil, I, I was out in Grenier, uh, last week uh, doing a leaflet trap and I would knock the one door and the, the, the mother came out there's four cars in the drive herself her husband to go to work their son to go to do- uh, work and the daughter to go to college because they have no proper bus service four cars in the drive and they are saying to me if they had a bus service they'd probably cut it down to two maybe even one if the service Okay so you're going to create bus service it's like a lucky bag really isn't it there's something for everyone in the audience under Sinn Féin I suppose Can I say this Neil right you see, it comes down to who you want to prioritise. What we want to do is we want to tax the vulture funds who are getting away scot-free. We want to tax... Uh, like, those vulture funds coming into our country... You go after the vulture funds and the millionaires. Listen, I don't have a whole lot of time, Tommy, but I did want to ask you about Fianna Fáil's Barry Cowan. You posted something last night saying, last night in the doll, Fianna Fáil's Barry Cowan had great fun mocking my Cork accent with his colleagues, getting a good laugh out of it. Uh, here's my message to Barry Cowan. I'm proud to be from Cork. I love my Cork accent. It's the accent of Terence McSweeney, Christy Ring, Katrina Toomey. It's the accent of our families and our communities. It's the accents that tell our stories and our history. Kirkigaboo-like. We're where are they mocking your accent? Yes, well, there was a, there was a, a debate in the Doyle, and I didn't hear what happened, but I, what I heard was, I heard sniggering. And then afterwards, then, well, I told my colleague says that I'm sure they were mocking your cock accent, but because it wasn't on the mic, and it was, he didn't stand up and say anything. No, I'm not looking to make a big deal about it, but what I don't think is right is that it, like, we have a lot of really serious business, and we discussed a lot of really serious issues in the dial this week. And 
for Fianna Fáil to be, for anyone to be kind of making comments like that, it's not appropriate. We have real business to be doing. So you're, you're, you're convinced he was mocking your accent because we asked him this morning, Barry Cohen, and we just got a response to him. He said, uh, the matter you refer to was not meant to be a derogatory matter uh, and was merely cross-chamber banter that occurs now and again. He, says, he said to us, if I was to take offence to all of the times that I'm referred to as Biffo, among other choice characterizations, I'd be hauling many people onto radio stations, wasting much time and energy and neglecting the serious issues and matters that we are elected to address. That's what he said. Well, I'm in my clinic now on Shannon Street dealing with the serious issues. I didn't have an issue with it. But the point is, Neil, I'm well able to speak. You know me how many times I've been on your shore of, of the years. But if you're another you're another person, if you're a person taking you going into politics, uh, is this the type of behaviour we want? It's not a big issue in the scale of things. You're not making an issue of it as such. It's, no. I, it's I brought it up, but mocking the Cork accent. They're only jealous, I suppose, would you think? Yes, yes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Thanks for that. Much obliged, Tommy. Appreciate it. Uh, I don't have time. Unfortunately, I can't take any more calls. I see other ones queued at this stage, but I'm out of time for now. Uh, One quick shout out to everybody at Glenbower Vets and Killer, to the Early Bird Garden Centre in New Tupot House, to Fleming's Pharmacy in Douglas, Northside Tires, Trevor Tool Hire, everybody at the Breast Check Clinic on Infirmary Road, Aqualogic in Cargilline, PMC Commercials in Ballon Hassig, just another few MB Transport, everybody working at EMH Technical Service would love some food. Henderson's Motors on the Marina Commercial Park, Douglas Village Shopping Centre, all of the staff, Murphy Transport and Rathpeak and Fireplaces. We'll pick a winner for Free Food Friday next. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. Mocking the Cork accent and the doll. How dare they? Oak Fire Pizza, Free Food Friday winners for this week. It'll feed 15 of you and imagine there's all that and maybe even more down working for Unpost in Cove. Uh, big shout out to Liam Langford, Damien Keenan and Timmy Bransfield and all of the staff doing great work in Cove with Unpost. Pick them. They have fine gobs for the pizza. So there are Free Food Friday winners uh, for this week. We know you have the one and that's the way it goes. I don't know how Keith got on. We'll go back to Keith on Monday and see if the brother-in-law's teeth fit or not whether he went to the confirmation with those or got them repaired but um, I'm out of time for now so let's see how it gets on on Monday can I also just say I have a buddy of mine down in the uh, Monkstown Passage area who got in touch with me recently uh, Nolo Sullivan and he and many people down there are having a night in the Ferry Arms on Friday the 29th of October and I'll remind you about this again over the next fortnight but want, they want to raise money to erect a plaque and a tree for the late Father Con Cronin who died in that tragedy in Monkstown involving the bus so they want to erect a plaque and a tree for Father Con Cronin in passage uh, so in the ferry arms on the 29th from 6 o'clock to closing they'll have crack and coal and fun and everyone's welcome and he was asking me to give it a shout out see if we can get people in there uh, to raise some money for the tree and the plaque I think it's a great idea well done to all concerned and I'll plug that again and remind you of it as we get closer to the, the, the date which is Friday the 29th of October have a good day have a good weekend I'll see you Monday Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.